Welcome to the Safina Society podcast, everyone. Welcome to the Mad Mamluks. What people are really looking for is Jannah on Earth, where you can do anything, nobody has an evil intent behind it, and only good things ever happen, and there's never any harm resulting from it. And it's an immature point of view. If you're moving from one type of imprisonment to another, and from one type of freedom to another. Like, oh, you know, if I just read some Quran, this will solve the problem. For some people, it's a lot deeper than that. These things are habits, right? So habits with triggers all over the place. If a person really seeks, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide that guidance. That's the thing. Assalamualaikum, everybody. You're listening to the Safina Society podcast featuring the Mad Mamluks. Uh, we've got the usual crew at the round table here for our second session or post-lunch session. Um, and for this session, we're going to do a little bit of an intro on uh, where and how the Safina Society podcast started, uh, just because we did that in the last session with the Mad Mamluks. So we'll, we'll start off with that, and then we'll get to our main topic of the day. Yeah, so uh, I'll kick it off. Uh, and for the listeners, just want to apologize for the sound that sounds like a fireplace. I just want you to imagine that you're sitting in front of a fireplace. We have some weird wind sound we can't get rid of. Uh, <laughs> but um, so to give a short history of the Safina Society podcast, how we kind of started was uh, almost randomly. Uh, it wasn't really thought out as much as uh, I would like to think it was. Um and I think it was it was really just uh, the the will of Allah. And so Saad and I uh, uh, we worked uh, similar schedules uh, at work, and I worked in a job that I absolutely hated for uh, approximately two years. Uh, and during that time, I was commuting home almost the exact same time as Saad. And I would call him and complain all day about my you know. Uh, the nonsense work that I was doing in software development. Uh, he worked in a similar field in UX, and we uh, those discussions slowly turned from work discussions to discussions about philosophy, Akida, politics, fic, all these different things. And eventually, you know, I said, you know, there were a lot of them were very comical as well. I was like, you know, maybe we should just start recording our driving discussions. And then that sort of never came to light exactly, but you know, one day. Uh, and, I, and I at the same time started taking classes at Safina. I, I, I met Dr. Shadi and uh, Ilyas and, uh, and and a lot of the Safina crew. And that's where you know Dr. Shadi also had a similar idea of starting to record something, some sort of podcast and idea. And that's where I sort of approached him and said, "Hey, you know, let's just start recording whatever it may be. We don't even have to think about a topic. Let's just sit down, put a mic in front of us, and start talking." So that's exactly what we did. If you listen to our first episode, that is. In, it was haphazardly done in Dr. Shadi's office in the masjid uh, with a mic that we passed back and forth. I think we had somebody in the background, too. I don't remember who it was. But it was Ali, I think. Was it Ali? Somebody was in the background. And, I, you know, I've just had frustrations about a number of issues, you know, ranging from gender to feminism to atheism and all these <clears throat> different issues that, you know, we sort of never got to talk about. And a lot of times we heard lectures by scholars on these topics, but normal lay people like myself and Saad, you know, we also wanted to speak to scholars about these issues, but it, we sort of never got to talk in sort of an open mind, an, an, an open forum discussion. And so it kind of went from Dr. Shetty and I doing one or two episodes, and then eventually 
you know, in a couple episodes, I was like, I need, we need some help, you know, doing this type of dialogue. I was like, we need either, you know, we definitely need a sound person because our sound is trash. Because Saad listened to it, he's like, your sound is terrible. <laughs> he's like, you got to get some mics or something. And <laughs> and at the same time, I put up a Facebook post for getting someone to do, you know, research and sort of being like a think tank. And that's where, you know, Ilyas actually reached out and he said, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in doing something like that. And so that's kind of how Ilyas came on board. And instead of having him just do research, I was like, hey, you know, just, just show up and we'll just start recording. And then he came on and Saad came on and then it sort of just turned into the Safina Society podcast. And even when we sort of had guests on, like I know our first guest was Sheikh Rami, it wasn't organized like oh we called Sheikh Rami and said hey do you want to be on the Safina Society podcast he just happened to come to MBIC and we were like hey you want to record something and he was like sure this is cool and then we just started recording for three hours and it was awesome and over time this has really been less about having listeners listen in it's really just the four of us just having a therapy session talking about a lot of issues that we encounter and other folks listen in so the goal of the Safina Society podcast has been from the very beginning, and Dr. Shady can correct me if I'm wrong, is is really supposed to be a it's supposed to bring people into the the the, this, the classes for Safina Society. It's sort of an extension to the school itself and trying to teach in a very uh, open format, sort of somewhat of an entertaining manner um, the principles of the Dean, right? And so Dr. Shady explained it in the last session that this first season was sort of breaking down Ideas and thoughts and uh, deconstructing arguments of you know that are that are kufr arguments or that are arguments of you know uh, that that oppose Islam and deconstructing some of those. And the second season was really the argument for the existence of God. And it went and it wasn't just that, but uh, we tried to focus a lot on you know kalam cosmological argument on the idea of logic, the idea of scientism, scientism materialism. Uh, how to break down and understand these topics, and I think the the third pro- the third season we're going to start going into you know what is now that we've proven the existence of God, how do you get from God to the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and to Islam itself? And so I think um, we kind of like I didn't know much about the Mad Mamluks or even other podcasts out there. I know I had listened to Joe Rogan uh, before. I had listened to some podcasts here and there I didn't know much about podcasting so it was very like haphazard the way we kind of started and when we when I kind of first learned about the Mad Mamluks for me it was like I really liked it I was like okay it's a it's definitely a different flavor to what we do but I think it's a very essential element you guys you know interview a lot of different voices with a lot of different people and I think the existence of both podcasts I was like you know I want you know people to bring the way I saw it is like, you know, you guys bring in this element of interviewing a lot of other people, bringing in different voices. And the way I saw ours is sort of this like, yeah, it is kind of an echo chamber, but it's like sometimes it's important to have that voice where people can cling on to like, OK, these like, guys are like right. MSNBC is not an echo chamber. Right. No, right. So. Anything where you have set of beliefs and you insist on those principles and you don't allow them to be contradicted and they and someone doesn't like it. They try to rail you as an echo chamber. Yeah. Right, like so. CNN is not basically like the same ideas. The right. New York Times is not bringing you the same ideas, and if you contradict it, they completely shut you out. So I would say people have beliefs and positions, right? And if they don't like it, they call you an echo chamber, right? So that's basically. Um, Did you guys get started after we had Dr. Shadian on our podcast? It was around the same, no, the same time. time because 
I don't know if you guys know the story of when we invited Dr. Shadi on. It was a, a funny affair because we had a date scheduled with Dr. Shadi at a time, and uh, he showed up literally three hours later. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh my gosh! Three hours later. You're kidding me. We're, we're waiting, um, just talking, and Dr. Shadi. We're, we're texting back and forth with Dr. Shadi, and he's like. Yeah, about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, max, oh, max, 15 minutes. You know what it might be? It might be the time zone thing. I didn't realize you were already an hour back. I think. Maybe. Seems, it's, it seems weird that somebody that's sort of close to us would be like at a different time. Yeah. And it's a weird thing, right? Like yeah. California, you understand, right? Yeah. All the, the sun is at a different position. Yeah. Like I don't even know where Chicago really is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Yeah. I didn't realize I was that late. My apologies, man. So, uh, I, I, we were joking about when we finally got Dr. Shadi on, we were like, this must be like how, you know, some of the Ulema train their students. They make sure they come very late, but let them know that, hey, the class starts when the teacher arrives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, didn't, a, I, I totally uh, didn't realize no, that. No, it's much. not meant for you to you know, apologize. It's meant yeah. to, that we were discussing <laughs> no, it was it was, it's not meant for you to apologize. <laughs> it's great, because I remember one time I was telling you, I'm sorry that I'm coming late when I was uh, doing one of the classes for Safina, and you yeah. were like, no, no. The class starts when, when the teacher <laughs> arrives. <laughs> so. We recorded with you the day before the election. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Was it the actual night before? No, we recorded on the Monday night. The election was Tuesday. Yeah, and I, and I was from a long time before. You know, you and I, uh, Alex and I, we were like, Trump has got this in his back pocket because he's got the street. He's got the guys. He's got people. And Hillary had nothing except the Clinton News Network supporting yeah. her and the New York Times. And um, these institutional support she had. She had no on-the-ground support. Sheikh Hamer was our guy. He was saying it from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Trump is going to win. He's Trump is going to win. Repeating it. I'm like, no, man, you don't know. You Did you see the numbers? Yeah. 538.com. You don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know statistics. He's like, shit. You can say whatever you want. He's going to win. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's... I think you guys had Dr. Shadi on. We had already done about like three or four episodes, and then okay, you guys that was the middle of the first season. Yeah, yeah, it, it was like the beginning, sort of the beginning of the first season that we had kind of started, and then um, yeah. So, but you guys don't have like seasons or anything like that. You guys kind of just mm -mm. keep going, right? Every so, we're not that professional. Bro. You guys are a whole different. Well, level. you also have that's that actually that harder. To <laughs> that's do hard well, to do. Yeah, it I mean, but that's consistently something that we're trying. We need to breaks. <laughs> we're like, let's go on a. We season. get exhausted yeah. from talking about yeah, this really. stuff because we're just like, all right. I know I get burnt out after a no, season. We, I'm just like, all right. we get tired too. So <laughs> we have some other people on our team. Yeah. Um, we're integrating um, new podcasters from different countries. We want to set up a network of like-minded individuals who are talking about things that are, you know, really relevant to conservative-minded Muslims. You know? So you have Ismail now, Noor. Uh, no, they are not. Um, we have people who are in Australia. They're who's uh, that? Is that the boys in the cave. Guys? Boys in the cave. They're not HD, are they? Wait, but they're state. They have their own. <laughs> Isn't that they're like their own podcast though? No, no, no they're um, they're part of the, the Man Mom. So they're the, part of their, the network. They're, they're so boys in the cave is is uh, something that. How did right. so? How is it related to you guys? So they're more of like. Um, they so they're younger, right? The youth of the youth version. So you guys they're, are like those Simmons. They're, they're younger kids, yeah. so there's um, um, a more Grand of a land? learning yeah. curve for. Because uh, so one of the complaints we get from a lot of our listeners is that they they can't keep up with our terms and the, our discourse. It just it just goes over their head. So well, one of the things is we're working on is with like Boys in the Cave is that you know they're able to get younger audiences. Um, 
uh, on yeah, they're, they're able to engage with younger audiences in their language. So you put their stuff on your website? No, no. They're still going to be their own channel. We're, we're, we're just going to be doing a lot of cross stuff. Okay. Cross stuff so like, like Shea like Khan will go on their podcast and be, he'll give them that the scholarly guidance when they need it. You well, know? that's really good. So That's good. And yeah. are they doing like the same format, like interviews mostly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah, so that, that, that the point that I was going to make when I was listening to Maureen uh, describe the, the two podcasts – it's almost like you guys are like journalism, like for real. Like yeah. you interview people, you get in depth, you ask about, you cover topics, and we're more like the—I uh, don't want to use that. We're more like the journal of Safina Society, right? Like I don't even want to call it an academic journal because it's yeah. more laid back than that. But that's all we're doing, right? Yeah. So we're we're very specific to what, our, what we're focusing we're on. Where you guys are actually—we're ideological in the sense we want to create our own narrative. Sure. We we we, we don't. We want to be like how Fox News created a conservative platform, and they just kind of forced their way into public discussion. Yep. We want to be that for Muslim Muslims in the West, where why should we wait for ISNA or ICNA or whatever major organization there is out there to create a platform for or conservative Muslims? And they're not. And yeah. they're not going to. They're 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 just going further to the left. So why wait? Yeah. We we should. No, you know, get our act together and and form our own narrative. Yeah, and no. you also now have a relationship with Muslim Matters. So tell us what that all about. So Muslim Matters uh, approached us saying that hey, look, we don't have a platform, uh, we don't have a podcast. Um, what we want is we want something. What you guys are doing, we're conservative, conservative minded like you, and we agree with a lot of the, what you guys do, and we're very supportive of what you what you guys are all about. And, uh, you know, we said, you know, we'll, we'll join you guys, but you guys can't touch our creativity. Like, you can't influence us in terms of how we produce the show. Everything is still going to be us. We, we'll, hmm. we'll be there as a podcast branch for you. For us, it, was, it seemed like a great way of um, disseminating our material. So they put their, your podcast on their website now? They're, we're in the process of integrating that it's not as simple as it seems because it's got like all this kind of html website talk that needs to be so done in this order is to sort of like a, hammered an, out. an alliance more so than anything else yeah yeah you could say that like that i mean some they're, you're you're really in the, you're create creatively independent yeah they're not giving you any money right so right. it's an alliance yeah you they, could say that yeah. but would, it was it was portrayed that they purchased you yeah. When you um, own something, that means you pay for it and you dictate it, right? Right. Yeah, right. It, someone. So was, that's not their exactly yeah, the right term. Because the words they use was we acquired the Mad Mums. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. That means right. you guys get rid of yeah, that, yeah. that. That means you guys have a boss. Right. Right. And I, it doesn't I, seem like that. I didn't the like the language in that because yeah. a lot of people were confused. Like, hey, wait a second. We're now affiliated. You guys sold your whole them. platform to them for what? And that that's not what. So that's not the right term. Yeah, I would say it's more of a. Um, an alliance. So they just give Mahin a bunch of hats in different colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, if you acquire something, you could shut it down. Right. And they cannot shut Grizzlies. you down. Right. 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 They can shut. Okay. So. And plus, yeah. one thing I, I'd like to add is it was it was a nice combination because we were always looking for writers for our blog, and they have lots of good writers. Right. They, have, they have live writers. Of, they have like ninety writers. And, and look, writers. most of the matters gets like. Well, close to a hundred thousand hits on their website a month, yeah. every month. It's yeah. insane the number of traffic that they get. Yeah. So for us, it was like, well, you know what? 
where if they're going to stick to their word and not interfere in our production, who we invite, who we don't. Um, they'll, they said, hey, can we make suggestions, though? Like, can we, you know, say, hey, would you like to invite one of our writers who wrote this piece? Um, sure. You can make or, a suggestion. Like, like, it gives us more people, more guests, you, right? You know, like more guests. And they needed a, a media-ish outlet. So that's and their, and their main writer, Mubin Vid, is just like an extension of us. He's, like, he's like our Sayyid Khutub. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's, <laughs> <laughs> now, you're, when you say conservative, a Qadiani can be conservative. Yeah. A Shia'i can be conservative. That term... Again, you, like, you, for the lack of a better term, you just can't... You could say Sunni, though. Yeah, you could say Sunni, but then those guys uh, who are liberal-minded, they also say Sunni, too. Right? No, because Sunni now equals supremacy, so... Alhamdulillah, they, they don't want the term anymore. They're giving oh, so that, I think that's a small branch of them, but oh, general populace of those who uh, are kind of uh, afraid of portraying their Islam the way uh, you know mainstream Sunni is, they 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 actually consider, and I think this is the future, man. Unfortunately, with uh, people who are in media, people like uh, Safina Society and even the Mad Mamluks, and they're going to think that we're. Uh, giving Islam a bad name for to them, we're too hardlined, you know. And uh, because we don't like change, we like something to be static, right? And uh, they, so a lot of people embrace that lack of balance. Like the other podcast, we're talking about lack of balance. One week they like something, that's that's instability. Yeah. We don't believe in instability, right? So people who don't want to be subjugated to, to the change and be unstable in their principle, those people are the ones that are extremists now because they're not willing to change with the times. And the times are changing. What's wrong with them, right? Uh, one of these lawyer reviews downgraded Kavanaugh for saying that he was immovable, right? Yeah. He was I, I, stiff and immovable in his positions. I so. could do, a, I could do yeah. a, f- a whole hour or eight on uh, Kavanaugh. Yeah. <laughs> but Kav- the problem with Kavanaugh is out of the four front runners for that seat, and I tweeted about this, he was the worst out of all of them. Why is that? Um, because he's not; he doesn't actually have those principles. Definitely, he's, he leans towards the right, um, but he's a he's a political operative more than uh, like a jurisprudence. Really? Right? So he's not gonna he's gonna vote, not vote, vote his conscience at all. So if you take somebody like Amy Coney Barrett, just the female professor from uh, uh, Notre Dame, she's super conservative. She lost his job. Right wing. But she actually believes in what she's doing, yeah. right? So if something, it's it's kind of like what you got with Scalia and what you still get with Thomas sometimes, um, which is they'll vote their conscience even if it goes against their political leanings, as opposed to someone like Sam Alito, who will just go with whatever his policy uh, leanings are, even if it completely contradicts what he claims to be his jurisprudence. All right, good. So Kavanaugh is uh, he's problematic in mm-hmm. my opinion. so even if you're a conservative. So with that, I mean that was a good intro oh, and background. Wait. I don't know how. He um, he joined. Oh, oh I was yeah. supposed to. Uh, I was. Uh, I was supposed to be like the content curator, so I was supposed to like come up with topics for us to talk about, mm. which I did maybe like once. <laughs> 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 and then after that, so. Moe would would text me like the day that we were recording and be like, "What are we doing today?" And I'd be like, "Uh, sun's uh-huh. a, sun's happening in the news with trannies." Let's oh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. So no, we're we're I back. Apologize. We're back, and uh, we just got a uh, word from our intern. 
that uh, <laughs> Sim is upstairs putting corn chips on Mahin who's sleeping. Yep. This is what happens. These guys fly out from Chicago and and they end up one ends up taking a nap and the other one ends up like pranking him while he's napping. <laughs> but we still have Sheikh Amr, Alhamdulillah. Who's Last here. man standing. He's here. He's dedicated. He's a worker and he's, he's ready. He's ready to podcast. So, so Sheham, how did you get involved with the uh, with the with the podcast again? I know that uh, you so, know Sim for a while, right? Yeah. So me and Sim, but we. What makes Olema like you? No, I'm I'm not from Oxalama, man. I'm a student and uh, I'm still learning. Uh, but the thing is that me and Sim, we used to get together every weekend, Saturday, Friday, Saturday nights, like clockwork, talking late night all the way till the morning. Sometimes all the way till Fajr. Sometimes, and we had a friend with us who was the original uh, host before Mahin, uh, Muhammad, uh, and he was like, you know what, you guys, you guys should just start this podcast, man. You guys just got to go. And one of my cousins had mentioned uh, a podcast to me like five years ago. I was like, what's that? Mm. So I completely put on the background. <laughs> so anyways, our friend Muhammad's like, man, you guys just forget about what you have. Just go start recording. And uh, and it wasn't like we're like, yeah, we just want to do a podcast. What I told Sim and what Sim used to tell me is, what if we recorded this and people could benefit from this? Because we just have late night conversations all night talking about everything. Yeah. Very disconnected yet very uplifting and very therapeutic like you guys are talking about, right? Yeah. It's very therapeutic um, because we understand each other very well. And we used to bounce ideas off and I was like, you know what? We should just record this. And then we took advice of Muhammad. We didn't, we don't want to procrastinate anymore. We started recording. And uh, the interesting thing was um, what I've seen from this productivity you see things I've known since he was a <laughs> child we knew each other he's a few years older than me or a year old, two years older than me but what they've become and how they're able to get involved in something it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordained something for us to become productive and, sure. and, and because Sim would always be like man you're so lucky you went to study I was like dude don't think that that's something that great you know it's a big responsibility he's like man he was always trying to be like dude I gotta be able to do something to give back to the community and this night he wasn't even thinking about it and little by little as we were growing and he's he was you know we were talking about this as he has like a, a good type of ocd <coughs> where sound quality has to be i didn't even think about these things so i used to be learning a lot of things from him and how to market yourself and how to uh, um present sound on how well sound and how clear it should be and how to pay attention to detail because any little thing remember we got that yeti at first you got the yeti and as soon as he listened to it he was like Man, I don't like the sound. I was yeah. like, and we were investing hopes. I was like, yes, you got the blue Yeti. I think it's a blue Yeti. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we got it. We got the microphone. But then when he heard it right away, he's like, no, I don't like the sound. And to me, I was like, dude, this is awesome. What are you talking about? This is great. That's funny. That's exactly like what Moeen happened with me and Moeen. Right? He, he was like, yeah, what's wrong with it? I was like, no, no, this is not going to work. <laughs> the sound is terrible. Yeah. Like, he's and like, you yeah, need yeah, that. You need work. those kind of people it's to, like, no, to. It's, it's not. It was the same mic, right? It was it wasn't a blue yeti, but actually we wanted he wanted to get a USB mic, and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, USB mics are you know it's, they're yeah. weak, like they're not good. We got to get like a legit mic. So yeah, like I was thinking story. it'd be good if you just have a yeah. headphone with the mic on it, and yes. we'd be good <laughs> that you get from <laughs> like, like Target like for ten dollars in my pocket. But that that I started learning a lot in the process, you know, and I started becoming wiser in in technologies and how things work, and then I started seeing him. You know, preparation. Like, if you honestly, I know he doesn't like to hear this and praising us in front of him, but no, no, he does I all the work. He scholars get all the. Anyways, he does. He does all the editing. He does all the recording. 
Mahin gets all the guests. Yeah. I just literally just show up, you know. And uh, that's why I was like, man, you guys. They, well, do, you're they providing do. a content anchor. Um, I provide uh, a yes and no. This is okay and that's not okay. I'm the I'm the mutawa, you know. I'm the, yeah. I'm the halal haram police. That's it. The commander, right? Yeah. For are, of are you are you beating them if they're not dressed right? No, not at all. They beat me <laughs> uh, verbally. But uh, <laughs> but so so that being said, when we started um, uh, sharing these podcasts, it started becoming kind of inspirational. Because you start seeing, you start listening to yourself, you start listening to content, and you want to be better and better and better at uh, uh, projecting your ideas at people. And then you start finding yourself catering to a, a certain type of people, and then you actually start thinking about the ummah more. That's one thing I liked about it. And me and Sim have this conversation all the time. It's like, I mean, you have to start thinking about the ummah more if you want to help That's them true. with issues, right? And that connection starts coming back, you know? And it, it's like a hobby for me. I tell them, Dude, we don't really make money off this, and this is like a hobby. I love having that therapeutic session yeah. of talking, and we're able to get our ideas out that we can't talk to everybody on a regular basis with. You and know? so, how did you guys start um, making that the content uh, decision or the format decision to start bringing in guests regularly? I or think was that, that was always the beginning. Intention? But yeah, go ahead. So my idea was, I'm like, well, right now nobody knows us. It's not going to be much of a uh, a marketing platform for us. Dr. Shadi, whereas he already has his, you know, large amount of followers on Facebook and things. So we're like, okay, well, what's the, what's the quickest way to uh, let people know that we exist? Well, why don't we invite some people on who have large followings and maybe we can talk about our own ideas and maybe shoot it back and forth with them. Now, that that was okay for a little bit, but the problem is is that majority of these people who already have a following, a large following, let's just think of Superstar X Scholar, right? This is, I don't want to throw anyone's names out there, but a lot of their followers, they don't listen to podcasts. They're not... When, when you look at podcasting audiences, they're a very particular set of people who are relatively educated. They're not like meatheads who... There's always going to be a small group of meatheads who end up, you know, commenting after a, a, an episode or with, you know, silly comments. But majority of your, your listeners are going to be educated people um, engaging with you. And the superstar scholars just don't necessarily have that kind of a following. They have people who are, you know, they're looking for entertainment, like we were talking about earlier um, before this recording. Uh, there's a lot of, you know consumers of uh, what my one of my friends calls de-entertainment. Edutainment. Yeah. So they just, um, they're not necessarily willing to sit down for an hour and a half to two and a half hours listening to a podcast. Uh, um, and it, it, it's, it was something new um, and we didn't have any success with a lot of these superstar scholars even though we had them on, none of them cracked our top ten. And it's because we didn't really um, it was a learning process. It, it wasn't. It wasn't just games. that. But uh, when you, you have people that are well known, their message is very watered down. They're not going to say anything controversial. They're not going to, you know, say anything that um, upsets people. So we found that once we had Dr. Shadi on, we're like, wait a second, this guy's. He hit number one. He skyrocketed. <laughs> his his episode with perennialism skyrocketed to our no most downloaded podcast ever, and he was up there for the longest time. Here's just a quick interruption. This is uh, a sign of 
how pe- well people try to make it big or try to get an audience by being non-controversial and by walking the middle line and by not making any commitments it actually backfires on yeah. them yeah. it's like the sunnah of Allah in a lot of things right yeah. where you try to walk this you know playing both sides of it and you lose on all of them yeah. right. you're trying exactly. to please someone I, besides if you're trying I, to please someone besides Allah you're not going to win I, yeah. I, you I, do it just for the sake of Allah yeah. I kid you not uh, I think a month and a half ago I texted Dr. Shadi and Alex and I think Saad too I was like I think we need to stop the podcast because we're getting too big I was like I don't want to get influenced by you know outside opinion or anything like that and I mean I'm sure you guys can confirm it right I said and Dr. Shadi was like yeah, I think you're crazy right <laughs> <laughs> if you have Dr. Shadi on your team you need to let that happen <laughs> well, well for, for us it's never been a numbers game right it's yeah. always been from the very beginning I don't even know why people listen to us. Let me tell honest, you something. Right? Let me tell you something. It's uh, many people make this mistake. They ask the question, "How to be success? Uh, how to succeed? This is this or how to get rich? This is the wrong question. The real question and the real challenge is how to be successful or how to like if it's financial, how to be rich? How do you uh, uh, be successful in anything and remain?" attached to your core values right. and style as well because like you said many people as soon as they're surrounded with five six advisors these advisors castrate them stuff for loving right or they declaw them or at the very least okay you're not offending people but you're a bore all right so right? that they're, they're marketing themselves and they're the product okay yeah. so they have to be the advertiser who pulls out when something is controversial, yeah. you know, so so imagine being the product, the marketer, and everything rolled up in one, like and then you, yeah, yeah, you you're literally um, contr- policing every single word that's coming out yeah. of your mouth. Well, you know? well, when uh, and the and that's why we have you have when you look at how to be, you know, in that position, you have to always f- have a goal that's way greater than you that you are not even close to cracking. Yeah, right, and then. You you have to go at it, right? You have to keep your eye on that instead of having keeping your eye on what other people are telling you. Oh, or or so and so said this about you, or so and so this about you, or you have this opportunity. Now you become the product, right? right? You become the goal. Maintaining that once you get into that, you really like. Not only do you become uh, ineffective, you become boring, right? No one's listening, and but what people love is not necessarily someone who has the great way of speaking or someone who has looks or someone who has anything people what people love and what's true and what Allah loves yeah. someone who has a goal a mission right we need something to shoot for something to climb at something yeah. to a wall to break down right, right. and you got to keep yourself hungry for that reason you have to oh it's a mental game and it's a really tough mental game and you have to eliminate a lot of fake advisors and false advisors that are driven by like their job as your admin or their job as your marketer or whatever or whatever they're motivated by and here's the thing you don't have to be uh, stupid or impolite because in the matters of Dean right you can't you have to be polite and you can't be stupid right Right. but you have to have a goal that you're shooting for that's bigger than yourself and and so so that people don't think that we're saying oh in order to be true and sincere you have to be just recklessly attacking you know, every politically correct subject. No, n- no one's saying that. But you have to have a vision that's greater than yourself. And one of the things that we've been talking about is the the Muslim to have 
your common everyday Muslim that we share life with, we share, we live together within America or in Canada or England or Australia, right? Well, what is our focus here? What is our deen? Why is it that way? Why do we believe in these things? That's one thing. And when we finish that, we haven't even started yet because we have to change other ideas out there like these ideas, even that are way bigger than us, that why do Muslims believe in these nations? Why do we believe? Why do we accept the Sykes-Pico? Now, you know how humongous we're, that wall is? Well, but the right thing to do is to take a crack at it. That's the right thing to do, is to spread amongst people that we don't believe in these things. If there could ever be a time where you could tear down these borders, right, that would be the right thing to do. The EU is doing it. I'm not even saying flags and nations. Currencies. How about start with currencies? Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing. But the, uh, the idea is always to ask, well, what is Allah's watching you? What are you presenting? What are you giving? You've got to give something. And that's where the curse of success is that people just stiffen up, right? And they just don't want to lose the approval that they have. And I think that's, uh, you gotta, so, it's got to be in your DNA to hate that. So, Sheikh, just to, to that, in that direction, um, one of the things that shores that up in an individual is being part of a localized mm. community or masjid, right? So, um, if you three, uh, Sim, uh, Sheikh Hamer, and Dr. Shadi, if you could talk a little bit about the differences that, because you guys, when, uh, when you were upstairs, Shehammer was telling us about the how you guys were basically a community, uh, like you had this bond yeah. because you knew each other from childhood. Your your families know each other. Well, before even that took takes place, you, I was one someone when I was growing up. I was uh, a brown kid in, in a school filled with white people and in Chicago. In, yeah, in outside suburbs of Chicago. Lucky you, bro. very, very isolated from very. The, uh, the Muslim community was very nascent in the western suburbs of Chicago at that point, and uh, you know where you're picked on and bullied, and you would often just not even end up going to the lunchroom because you were just so ostracized from um, the society or from kids in general, and there's they're the social makeup of, of the school. So that kind of prepares you to be uh, ideologically strong when there's um, people who are, you know, when the prevailing ideas of, of, the, of the culture are so much against you, yeah. you got to have a strong backbone. Right. you got to not give a bleep about anyone, what they think about you. You know, you got to be honest to your creator at oh, that wow. point. And I think many of us went through that. I know I did. Uh, Sheikh Hamid, I must have to some certain level. Yeah. But um, I think that kind of prepares you. And you see that through the even the, the Sierra when... Uh, how the Prophet was alone for most of his childhood, um, and then later on, he, you know, you, you see that that there is wisdom when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala put you through that pain, and you, although you were miserable, it prepared you for you know people's backlash, and then yes, later on we we kind of formulated our, our own um, little clique after college, after um, well during college, me and Sheikh Hamer met up and we. Uh, we were part of a whole lot of dawah that was ha was happening in our college campuses, and then he went off and studied, and I went off doing my own thing. And after a while, I kind of got uh -huh. just sick of everything, and I just put everything off to the side. And I did didn't become wanna... unmasked. No, no, I mean, I just got. <laughs> it wasn't sick of that. It was like, like giving up hope type thing. You see, I learned like what, uh, through my own journey, like of trying to find a group or a scholar who has all the things I agree with or what I thought was the truth. 
And I couldn't find somebody who fit every category of the truth. I felt like everyone's letting me down in some way. Everyone's, um, you know, changing their message as as the world changes, as the social uh, currents of society change. I felt like people are letting me down. So I just kind of gave up on everything. I'm like, you know what? I just need a break from all this. And, and I just kind of got away from everything. And then after a while, I just, you know, I realized... I may not, people may not necessarily have uh, the entire truth. Maybe they have things that I can learn from them. And that's when that was like a big change that happened to me where, you know what, stop hating on people, you know, and just start seeing what you can learn, what fits, you know, and, and it may not be that they, they are on the truth of 100%, uh, but do your best to be intellectually honest and mm. judge what, what they have to say against the, the Quran and then as how you understand it and how um, the Sahaba and, and the, the scholars that you trust um, mm. understand it. And, you know, and from there, it kind of grew. From, for, from my perspective, uh, for me anyway, Taslim to your sheikh, to you know, a madhab, to whatever it is, right? Some, something larger than yourself where you're not going to be like, well, let me, let me just parse out what I and I'm not going to listen to this part of it I'm not, like we were talking upstairs during lunch that there's a there was a brother who he's a Salafi but he wanted to learn Maliki Fiqh so he actually was asking a Maliki to teach him f- the Risala of Ibn Abi Zayd but to skip the opening portions that talk about Aqidah right <laughs> like you just have to if you're going to just do it just do it right so like if you follow a madhab you just you take all the rulings even if the ones that you maybe even intellectually disagree with or feel like um, don't fit or you're, you're like ah, I don't know if I can. the better thing is to just you know let yourself go and it gives you more believe it or not that submission gives you more freedom yeah. right that's where you're try- and it's the same thing with becoming a Muslim for me it was right? too. being able to just say I became a Muslim I hadn't finished the Quran reading it I hadn't uh, or the translation rather um, I hadn't studied all these different things I hadn't spent hours you know grilling scholars it seemed absolutely right to me from the, the amount that I did know, and I was like, I'm just going to jump in, and I'll learn once I'm in there, right? right? And that was much better than sometimes, you know, people you hear that are, they're spending years thinking about their shahada. Just take it already. I mean, the, I mean that's just life in general and, and the deen as well, right? It's a path, right? It's not necessarily, you know, get the destination, right? Allah is the destination that the deen helps you get there. And... I think to, to, to second, you know, uh, Sim's point is that I think, uh, you know, similar to Sim, I think one, one thing I realized over time is that, yes, I, I, I firmly believe that the, the truth does exist in a package, right, that's been handed down generation to generation, and we have access to that truth. Now, the embodiment of that truth within individuals, I think, Nobody is masum right today, right? They're, they're, you know, nobody's uh, even you know, besides the the awliya and the anbiya, right? The sorry, that was sorry about that. Uh, That's just proof that nobody is masum. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> besides the uh, you know, and, and so you have to realize that even sheikhs, when you see them and you meet them, you know, people who are teachers, you know, we we see them in a light that you know they're they're infallible or they can't make mistakes and. And this is not the case. So the the idea of even finding someone who's going to be perfect, that's never going to happen. And I think, alhamdulillah, I've been blessed to you know have close friendships with uh, 
you know, a couple of shuyukh, right? So Dr. Shahdi and Mufti Niyaz, both of my teachers, you know, I, I've had the pleasure of having good relationships with both of them. And, you know, one thing I've learned is like, not only is, is it's being close to people like that, it, it re, you realize that everybody's human, right? Everybody still makes slight mistakes, right? Obviously not large ones, right? But everybody still makes human blunders. It's natural. It's normal. And then you kind of take the knowledge to be true. That doesn't change the knowledge, right? Um, and at the end did, of the Did you feel any sense of obligation to the, the your teachers or any scholars that are around you um, to be um, a tool that they could use to further their message, to be someone who can be their aid. Of course, to some degree you do, right? But, I mean, let's say, like, for example, your parents, right? I think all of us can agree that, you know, within our parents, at least, you know, everybody across the board to some degree has some issue with their, they find some issue, some human defect in their parents. I'm sure my kids will find human defects within me as well, right? That doesn't mean that I don't respect my parents, I don't further what they're trying to teach me, that I don't take that across, right? But it's you have to realize it. It's still no. I mean, specifically, like, like right? for for me, me and uh, Shahama would always be, uh, you know, hanging out after he came back from Egypt. It was this kind of his way of unwinding after you know years of Egypt and Mauritania and whatever. I had to learn a lot back in the process. I was gone for. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, so yeah. There's some there's some really important thing that uh, actually occurs is that he's usually up to date with current affairs and everything that's happening. So with me, I was like this Bedouin that came back and I need to be re-civilized and I don't mean that you know what I mean right lightly uh, but what that means is that I need to know who and what I'm I'm dealing with now because I've been gone for a long time Sheikh Amin from Dar al-Qasim I remember when I first uh, discussed with him when you know I wanted to leave and study Arabic you know that was my original goal I want to go to Mauritania and study Arabic and then I want to study I want to get into fiqh and he said after you come back if you're gone for four years, don't open your mouth no matter how much fiqh you studied for the first six months if you're a genius, if you're really smart. Just observe. Don't say anything. So why this was really important is my, and this how this alludes to the podcast is, he would just be the person I'd constantly coming back to and who's having discussions, teaching me culture, we joke about it, <laughs> how little I know now and all that. It was fun. It was very fun. But now that started becoming something like he doesn't realize it, but it was a different type of tutelage I was with him and of teaching me what the reality of the world is. So sometimes I'd be talking about something and be very, yeah, from the books, from the Kutub al-Turath, from the classical books, but that mindset of the people, what is their mindset and how will they receive this? And I think that was, that was a really important part of it, right? Well, for me, it was like I was seeing him spending a lot of time with me, and, and I'm like, I'm not being there for him in terms of utilizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me this person who has so much knowledge uh, and isn't I'm not being there as a vehicle to help him uh, do dawah and instead you know we're goofing around we we, ha- we have like great conversations as well where we're teaching each other stuff as well but we we're friends too and we watch sports and we'll, we'll hang out and we'll play video games or whatever right but then uh, like there's this something that's gnawing at the back of my mind of like I'm not doing what Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask me what I did with this guy 
when he's when he was hanging oh, out with me. You know? Absolutely. I mean, I feel that all the time with right. uh, Mufti Niaz, right? So he's Mufti Niaz, one of my closest friends. And I mean, I, I only notice it when I'm with other people who don't know us, right? Yeah. So or like he, that don't know my friends or Mufti Niaz, right? So I think one one specific incident, I think we we all went to Drexel together as a as a podcast group, and I remember I asked Mufti to grab me a coffee. When right. he was coming back, and I remember, uh, you know, Elias said to me, "It's like, oh, how, how are you going to ask? You, know, you should go get the coffee yourself. He's a, he's a teacher." And I was like, you know, I didn't. For me, it didn't even register. Like, you know, he's like my boy. Like, I'm just asking him to get me I'm a coffee. Still, it's I'm not that I'm big. St- of a sta- deal. I'm still standing on that. I've known, no, no, I've known right. Dr. Shadi longer than Moin's been alive. No, no, no. no I still I, would never ask him to give me a coffee. I I, 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 I agree. Right? No, I'm not saying you were wrong. You're right. Right? But it's the. Um, it's the idea that uh, it's like your own brother, right? Yeah, yeah, and so and you older just brother. you sort of my older brothers have never called me. Oh I man, no, no, so, like our yeah, our. And I don't like want it, my friends. Like we have a brother. Of the podcast once in a while we'll call you, but I cringe every time they call me Sheikh because we we know each other so well. We're like buddies. Yeah, like yeah. he'll he'll massage me. When I want, when I'm, like, hey, man, I'm hurting. Uh, I'm hurting my my neck. neck is hurting. This He's is not that kind of podcast. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. No, Sim, I have a question for you guys, and this is a. Uh, something I, I think you should consider. Yeah. I don't know the situation of the Masajid in uh, Chicago. Yeah. This might be totally unnecessary, but have you guys ever thought of establishing... <laughs> I was thinking about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, have you ever thought of uh, establishing a masjid slash center that your kids could grow up in? Like you guys podcast, that's a little community for the guys, right? right? Yeah. But you need something that's going to touch yeah. more lives and in a sense I in a deeper way. And I'm telling you, the, Allah Ta'ala, the Prophet Sallallahu said Allah loves the bilad that uh, has the most masajid. So there's never too much. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the, one of the most blessed work to, be, to do involves masajid. Yeah. Any 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 activity where you have to be at the front line of a, of a masjid and praying, making salah, you realize Allah loves you. Allah is bringing you into His home. So, and uh, I don't know, but I don't think for the Ahnaf, but for the Madikis, uh, we have a very looser uh, definition, more basic definition of a masjid. Anything that's treated like a masjid yeah. has an imam that leads it five times a day is a masjid, whether it's rented, whether you draw a line in the sand, right. or whether you put some rocks. Right. It's a masjid. So malaik are there. Atikaf is can be there, and you get the reward of walking and going and coming. Now the question is, like, imagine if you guys started that up. I mean, the pot you get a holistic no, thing. A, in Chicago, there's no shortage of masjids. Yeah, it's the people who are actually attending the masjid is where, where there's a shortage. Mm. Like um, when I bring my daughters over there, I'm like, sometimes it's it's um, it, it gets draining on them because they're like, you know, there's nobody there our age, and it's only like. Uh, a few See, people who come to the masjid, and you, you're thinking that you're uh, you're trying to integrate us with the other Muslims, but to I'm me, I'm telling you, like this is them telling me, like I'm telling you, Dad, like they're no one's our age, no one our age is there, or any, even if when they are, there's only it's, they're only there during Sunday school or yeah. something like that. To me, I've I've said this many times to people. Uh, if you're out there, start something up that would involve salah, and I would put it as there are three ingredients to this type of thing the first one is the teacher and that teacher should outline his minhaj this is what our, the doctrine at this location is so that we're all clear anyone could come but this is what we teach 
right? And they should have some evidence for that, right? And yeah, there might be evidence for other things, but this is what we teach. So the teacher should be there and he should teach them systematically. Number two, an activity center, like a gym with a, or a kitchenette, yeah. right? Where random activities could take place, right? It's to, that, that would bring people in. The third thing you need is the prayer space because you could pray, pray in the activity space. You can't have activities in the message space, right? Yeah. The third thing you need is the, the place for the salah. And people out there, they should do it, right? Okay. And it'll you'll, for a long time, you'll struggle and have very, you know, grimy realities in the beginning, but it grows. And the, the masjid, it teaches you a lot about yourself, teaches you a lot about and your, the wiping away of sins that take place. And we see some of these reformers, and upstairs at lunch we were talking about some of these reformers and some of these people. And one of the things Mubin in a conversation with him he brought up is that when he meets some of these people he realizes these people have very weak ibadah and they're talking a lot about Islam writing about Islam their ibadah is so weak yeah. it's like there's an incongruency here yeah. why? because the outlet of the, me- of the messages are on the internet anyone could type an article or release a lecture on the internet but if it's the masjid well you better you have to be upright in order to be respected in a mosque the people who pray there regularly are not going to respect someone who never shows up, right, to the masjid to pray. So the best place to raise a family is the masjid. And it allows you, if the local mosque doesn't do what you yourself feel like is necessary, like has no activity element, has no element for girls, right, it allows you guys the ability to do that, right, so that your kids are raised in a space or in a place that, you know, you have a saying, you know. By the way, so and your Patreon account could go support that, yeah. which you don't have yet. But so, Shaham, the two of the people from New Jersey that we talked about that you spoke that you studied with in Cairo, yes. The one thing that was uh, that stood out about them and their immediate family when I was when I used to live uh, in the same city as them is that they were always in the masjid from little kids, mm. right? Yeah, and. You might, you know, as little kids, there's little kids that are in the masjid. They run around, they play. Sometimes they get in trouble. Sometimes they're doing, they're sitting in on the on the holocaust. But you see them growing up in the masjid, and then it it was them too, and, and a couple of other kids who also turned out fantastic. They're the ones that go off and become something yeah. important, right? Yeah. And do something useful with their life. Yeah. When they and they, uh, and including the two that we talked about, they're people who could do anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. They have the intellectual capacity and they have the the work ethic that they could become successful at anything. Yeah. And they they choose to serve the dean, right? My philosophy. So this happens from just being in the masjid. Yeah. yeah. My my philosophy is you get if if you have a masjid and you have forty kids running around. One of them is going to choose to dedicate his life to the deen. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. statistically speaking, that's how it's going to be. And when we talk about the Muslim community in any place, um, region or area, the way I look at it is you, you identify the masajid, then the leadership of those masajid and the followership or the attendees of those masajid, and then their relations to one another indicates the harmony or disharmony. But that's the beating heart of the community on the earth is the masjid specifically the first row specifically the five or six spots right behind the imam that's where the soul of of the of the community yeah. and I that's if, if that's if the people there are strong the rest of the community will be strong if the only people oh. there 
are answering the call to Allah are the weak and the feeble, then the, then the, they get the reward for it, and the Ummah will remain to be weak and feeble. And, and uh, Shaham, some, you, we were talking earlier about there's a charitable foundation around here that does like food pantry and stuff. You guys met the the owner of it. I don't want to just shout out names on things. Anyway, that's what they started out as. They're just a community. And they don't feed just the Muslims. They feed everyone in the community. They specifically opened up in a part of the state, in a town, where there's a lot of poverty and it's not Muslim. So they're helping out their local community, which is an obligation. It's dawah. It serves to put the name of the Muslims in a, in a, in a positive light. They're earning reward for that. And now as they've grown, they've turned their space into a, a multi-use space, which mm-hmm. includes having tarawih. Yeah. They have regular dhikr nights. They're doing maulids. So mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to, you don't even have to start out as like yeah. just a prayer space. You can start out as a place that does other things uh, and draw people in. And by the way, they, and they give there's a lot of ho- young hafaz. They bring them in during Ramadan and give them mm-hmm. a place to lead salah. Uh, the the difference between Islam in the 90s and Islam today is that if you wanted to have a voice and project your message to the Muslims, the location of it was in a mosque, right? You're right. If you're going to go walk into a masjid, you need some degree of respectability and tough and piety to do that. Once the uh, avenue shifted to the internet, now the door is open to anyone. Or academic conferences or classrooms, the door is open to anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's where you want to be able to uh, raise a generation of people, of kids, where they would say, this guy, this first reference is the masjid, right? This someone's uh you know spewing some nonsense the first reaction of a kid would be like you this would never fly in our masjid right (laughs) this would never happen and you yourself if you walked into a masjid no one would give you a mic because you know you have no sign of practice right so we want to create that reference point and and i think that the more centers like that you have and it's not like you're competing against other masjid but some some masjid out there are just places of salah yeah. And we and we don't need we need community centers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And community centers should not be civic centers where right. all we do is vote and talk about politics and social right, right. justice, right? It needs to be a place where the first thing that happens is aqidah and fiqh is taught. Yeah. Second thing that happens is socialization. Yeah. And you know one right. other thing, man, that um, that really is uh it doesn't even seem it's sad that it it, see, it it seems to be a dream of mine, but because of uh, you know, we've all probably worked at masjid in some time or another. You know, I've worked at a masjid before. Um, one of the things that we see is the application of Rasulullah's masjid in Medina of everything that the human beings did happen in the masjid. Yeah. There, w- there shouldn't have been any disconnect yeah. of people's social issues and their religious issues all in one. There has to be a model, and I was thinking about. I'm glad you brought this up. I was thinking about this for the past few years, but seriously, in the past few months, is that Rasulullah used to conduct as a judge in the masjid and set the precedent for the Khulafa Rashidun of that, right? And I think that when we start appointing individuals as a masjid judge type thing, not that he's going to start off as somebody who's just going to be like, hey, you guys have a divorce case, come and talk to me in front of everybody. It's not going to be like that. But once you make people realize that much more has to start happening in the masjid. Like an arbitrator. Yes. Because culturally, unfortunately, kids are not allowed to talk in the masjid, right? 
And one thing I say to people, I don't know what your guys' opinion on this, but I, I kind of hold this dearly. Uh, one of the main benefits of the meshes that I used to work at was that it was a small place, and uh, the kids can make as much noise as they want because the goal was to bring attachment of them to the masjid. But culturally, if you come from India and Pakistan, I don't know about other cultures, you're not allowed to talk in the masjid, and sometimes you prefer not kids not to come to the masjid, right? But kids are crying. What happens? If somebody turns around, a few people turn around and start yelling at the father, you know, why you bring this kid? That's what's supposed to happen in the masjid. We're supposed to be able to concentrate and have khushua in our salah with all the, the social atmosphere that occurs, of a natural phenomenon with children, right? We all say That's this. That's why you have to have that second room, whether it's a gym exactly. or something. Exactly. Yeah. You, you have to have that outlet for them, of course. But even in the masjid, everything... Oh, yeah, everything should be happening in the masjid. So we need to start talking in the masjid, whether it's in our khutbahs or in our, in our, in our durus, that this masjid, we have to have, everything should be settled in this masjid. If we have a dispute, we should, you know, uh, uh, like uh, uh, you have a group versus another group, for instance. It has to be settled inside of a masjid, but in a nice professional manner, right? So th- I believe in a community center. But I believe that the mindset of the Muslims should be that the masjid itself is a community center, but we're going to have recreational stuff added to it for the children, outlet, all the things that you mentioned. Because the masjid now is seen as something as like a seclusion. It's not seen as something that uh, uh, is supposed to help me in my life. It's seen as something where we're going to go away, do something ritualistic, and get back into civilization. We compartmentalize the masjid, I think, mentally. And... And I think that once we include that in the civilization, yet it's supposed to be the heart of the civilization that you said, that's where I think the message is going to be seen differently. The paradigm of message is going to change. You know, I'm, I'm going to counter this because I, I, it's not that I disagree with the point, but there's, a, there's an aspect of this that I disagree with. Because I think that a lot of people also get into this mindset that you know, adding a gym into the masjid is going to solve the problem of the masjid. Um, or like, you know, adding like this, you know, auditorium is and, and like holding, you know, uh, stuff there is going to, you know, bring more youth in, right? The youth are going to come to the masjid now. <laughs> um, Our kids. Yeah, whatever, you know, th- <laughs> that, that this is going to solve all the problem. And, you know, I, I think it was last year I got to sit in on a... Um, I won't say which masjid it was, but I got to sit in on a uh, fundraising dinner, and they sort of it was sorry, it wasn't a fundraising. It was like the the open forum like discussion where you know people in the community could ask questions, and there was a presentation. So the president of the masjid went through an entire presentation about what the masjid is about, right? And so it went through a whole list that the masjid is about recreation and bringing the community together, and it was about uh, uh, interfaith, and it was about uh, you know, feeding the poor. And, and he went through the whole presentation. Everybody was like, alhamdulillah, this, 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 and that. And, that. and the whole time, I'm just sitting there thinking, hold on. The masjid is about Allah and his Rasul, right? Yeah, exactly. That's first yeah. and foremost. First and foremost. Many yeah. people are making a civic sense. So I think there you have to be careful when you say, it's like, okay, we want the masjid to be a community center. Yeah, I, I 100% agree that the, that the masjid of, you know, Medina of the Prophet was this civic community was, was this not civic was this community center that brought people together and then all things in all started from there yeah. started from there I, I'm totally on board with that but there you know at that time people also had this like paradigm as I mentioned in the past of like Allah and his Rasul yeah. that's yeah. the most important thing but yeah to be fair to the time I'm sorry continue 
Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's all I was saying. I mean, it's. I don't want to say that I disagree with you, but it's, we just have to be. No, I just please want to be disagree. About this, We're right? sharing ideas, but one thing I want to say is that. Alhamdulillah, if somebody feels that having a rec center in the machine to solve the problems, that's don't take apart that initiative. It's not going to solve. Maybe it won't solve any problems. Let me let me uh, uh, start with a, a, a different type of scenario. Now, just think to yourself for a second: What would happen if a masjid had a swimming pool? Just think about it. Would that bring more benefit to the ibadah of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, or would it not? It not as far as numbers. I'm talking about the mindset. It absolutely. I think it's mutually exclusive. No, no. no. So, so check well, this it's out. A Did, no, this is what I'm saying. Sunnah, this is what I'm saying, way. right? One of the things that we're supposed to be taught is swimming. But what is the biggest dilemma that sometimes religious people have and women have? They can't go swimming anywhere. Right. Even though they want to. They can't learn and all that. So the thing that's missing, and I'm not saying that this is going to solve all problems. What I'm saying is the people that are already there, it gives them an entity to be very, very proud of. And that's attaching to, attachment to Allah. The second thing is that when people, to be fair, when they're, when they're saying the masjid is this and it should be that... I think that everyone already knows that it's for the sake of Allah. They just not verbally say it, right? Everybody knows that the masjid is for Allah. And I think the reason why a majority of people, when they market it that way, they know that the masjid is for Allah, but they're so hungry to sometimes to bring people into the masjid, they kind of need to lure them in. I don't agree with that either. Yeah. I'm not saying this is a luring in tactic. I'm saying the paradigm of the masjid has to change, meaning that this is our heart, this is our soul. Everything has, but if somebody is saying that, hey, it's going to bring more youth in, no, if that's the mindset, the youth are only going to be there the nights where the gym is open and they're going to miss us a lot Te- in the masjid. Teaching, teaching and ta'adim has to be the crown jewel. Yeah. And, and that's but they need an outlet too. Activity. Sisters, like, imagine teaching? how awesome the community would be if the masjid had a swimming pool, yeah. right? Yeah. A, a pool for the gentlemen, yeah. a pool for the women. By the way, and that would be such an amazing attachment. Have, having well run, well run, organized, organized yes. classes. With life like, learns, hopefully. Like, well, that for the pool, but also it when it comes bad. to Talim, right? So, yeah. like, if you have a well-organized program, like an actual program, not we're going to teach Arabic starting at all the different levels. It's all Tuesdays, except for when the teacher doesn't show up, and then sometimes yeah. we won't do it for two weeks in a row. But to have, like, an actual organized, yeah. there's a schedule, there's an exam, there's review, there's actual books that everybody's using the same text, mm. and it always starts at the same time, and it ends at the same time. And we we begin in September, and we end in December, and then we start again in January, and we end in May. This kind of like well organized stuff actually brings people in. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's really you're right, actually right. It's the organizational those, stuff. Those yeah, because just offering true, a, yeah. offering classes willy nilly that don't follow up, and then they never finish the book, and mm. that's nonsense. Mm. But when you have an actual program, people people will come to that. What's what's really interesting though, right? And th- and this is really just an maybe it's only an, it's only rel- this idea is only the sort of relevant to America and the American Muslim population because one thing I always found interesting is in classical Muslim societies even to this day existing right uh, so I, I come from a village in India a Muslim village uh, there is no community center at the masjid because right. the community is the community center, yeah right there women don't need to go to the masjid because they get their community outside in the village itself right everybody's like when when it's uh molid the, the the streets light up and people share food when it's eid it's you know it's alive they have community things going on mm. so the masjid is sort of just there and people flow in and out and yeah when there's like a big problem the masjid is kind of involved but it's not the focus isn't necessarily the masjid. The focus is the community. And I, mm. I don't know how to reconcile that. Because, like, let's say you go to, like, Yemen right now, right? And so you, you go to Tarim, right? 
the masjid isn't like the the focal point of the of, of where like community happens. But that's all Muslim country, right? Yeah, yeah. The so this is where completely it's different. Yeah, so I don't know how to reconcile that you, because it's like I'll tell no, I see what you're talking about now. I see what you're talking about now. Yeah. No, but I'll tell you one of the differences though. If there's a hmm. state masjid, that's one of those big, um, the types of historic building, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They want to make sure nothing happens there, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have a masjid that... Wait, I didn't get the whole historic. What do you mean the whole... You know, like the... the uh, state-run historic. Like, for example, uh, Masjid al-Husayn or the, huma- the Masjid al-Hakim bi-Amrillah in Cairo. Oh, These okay, big okay. Masajid, that, I thought you were talking about here. I'm sorry. No, yeah. Okay, I was like, no, those where are the state-run <laughs> masjids here? <laughs> those masjid that <laughs> are preserved yeah. by the state, they... It's just, yeah, it's just like a local... But when you have the masjid established by the sheikh, right... Him and his students and his followers, the hub is there. Like, for example, in Dar Mustafa, what is Tarim without Dar Mustafa right now? Nothing. Of course, it has its history, yeah. of course, right? But when you go, where's the where's the headquarters? Where's all the action? Why? Because people love the Sheikh and his and his students and who they teach and they're teaching, etc. Right? So people go for that. Likewise, in Egypt, there was uh, Sheikh Saleh Al Jafari. He passed away in the eighties, sixties, hmm. maybe. And his, I think now his grandson runs it. And they have their teaching and, and the families that sort of follow that sheikh and love that sheikh. And now, this well, all the people need something to do. So they started up a little hospital, right? A little charity thing. They, get, they have a big dinner every uh, Thursday night. They all are upon the same heart. They're on the same belief. It's mm. because the sheikh started that masjid. It's a private mosque. I see what you're saying. If you go to these, the, like, for example, the Salaf, private Salafi mosques in Egypt, they're all privately run. They're packed, right? So we have to, you have to look at the two different masjid where it's started by a sheikh and then the students and their family and the supporters fill it with activity. They actually become community centers as opposed to the, the type of masjid you see on the postcard or on the calendar that's just the one that this, the the state has taken over its maintenance, and the tourists go there, right? Yeah. And it's just like salah and go home, and the imam, you know, can't really talk, can't do anything, and there's intentionally nothing going on there. So that's the the, the division. I see you what know? you're saying. Yeah. And to, to, to I'm glad we had this discussion. I didn't know we we're going to go into this link, but I'm glad we're having this. And I'll tell you why. I'll please continue sure. after this because this is something really important. One of the main benefits of this podcast that we've had right now and i'm not sugarcoating i'm being totally real here can you believe that i never thought hmm. of opening a masjid it never even crossed my mind oh. <laughs> allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought me to new jersey someone could knock some sense into me <laughs> but i never thought about that because yeah. when you linked it to kids yeah. that's our priority we love our kids more than ourselves i just thought about that what message are my kids gonna grow up in dude that keeps you motivated oh, yeah. Dude, you, you're I'm, I'm having my <laughs> the yeah. hair on my neck is standing up right yeah. because I was you start attack you know uh, uh, tackling issues from all around about your kids and their iman and what's their future going to be like and it's just so simple where are my kids going to go to the message yeah. why wouldn't I want to be somebody who establishes even if it's small who cares if it's the size of this room yeah right but why wouldn't I want to do something I'm like telling that? you it'll grow and you gave us the elements too you said teaching. Yeah. It needs a teaching. The first thing is a teacher. Yeah. yeah. And the second thing you said was? The recreation center. The recreation or an outlet area yeah. right, for activities. Mm-hmm. And the third thing you said? Is the actual, is prayer, the actual space. prayer space. Yeah. SubhanAllah. So simple. One, two, it's three. So simple. And, and I'm telling you, for example. I'm, honestly, I never thought of that. Yeah. 
I was like, I'll put my kids in Islamic schools, do this, teach them Arabic. Yeah. <laughs> when I was well, young, well. if my dad uh, had a conversation with a friend outside or in the masjid, and we need to leave, it was the most frustrating thing in the world. I sit there, sit, go check, sit in the car a little bit, you know, go back. Really frustrating. But now, for example, if I am delayed in the masjid, they want me to be late. Why? They go shoot some baskets, right, in the room, in the in the, the gym behind the masjid. They, they, they actually want you to be delayed so that after the program, they could shoot baskets, right? They should shoot, uh, and there's some closet full of toys, right, and do that. I mean, there's a kitchen, the food area. Sometimes they sneak in. Right and take like a bag of Doritos, which they're not allowed to do. <laughs> this is sadaka money, right? <laughs> Put it back. So, but that concept that they want to be in the building for that reason. But I always make sure. I always felt that if the teaching wasn't established for a good year or two first, mm. right, then you would have position manned by ignorant people, and you don't want that. Yeah, you want the positions manned by those right personnel that honors and respects. Dean and Talim. Yeah, that's, then you that's could hard trust to find, them. unfortunately. At least that's why you got to teach first. Yeah, at least in the Midwest. But sorry, Brother Elias, no, I cut please. you off, man. No, please go ahead, man. So uh, I'll, I'll just add a couple of quick things. Number one, Dr. Shadi won't tell you, but um, the same example that I gave you about the two shiuch that you studied with in Cairo, Dr. Shadi, as a kid, and he, he alluded to it slightly here, his father was the guy that had the key that went and opened the masjid for oh, Fajr. Okay. And for a long time, that was like uh, the center of his dad's life and the kids are coming along and so you grow up in the masjid and it has long term effects even if you're the kid that's like come on I want to leave already right yeah, I want to go play basketball or something I'm just thinking how fun that would be for my children like, yeah we're going to our masjid yeah. how awesome would that be yeah. right you know how kids are especially at this age my oldest daughter is nine my son is five my youngest one is 15 months but they love doing things together with us as a family even going to the park imagine how fun it would be to just go to the masjid is your you know something that your family established I think Moeen's going to add something but then I'll finish up no go, go ahead go no ahead. no please yeah so I mean one, one thing I was going to say and I think I never realized this until I met Dr. Shetty one thing one thing that he, that, that he taught us is this idea that going to the masjid itself right is is almost a type of tasawwuf right because it. It, it requires some work to go to the masjid, yeah. right? Let's say waking You're up right. for Fajr, I agree right? I agree with you 100%. Waking up for Fajr. Even being involved in the masjid, dealing with masjid politics and masjid uncles and the, the problems of the masjid, all these things, I, I actually think over time it builds a lot of character, right? Being around different types of individuals. And so, like, maybe this is just, like, the, the, the cynical part of me, like, thinking this thing, but I don't know if the fault is in the masjids or it's in... The population. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes you mean like the building versus the humans? No, 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 no. I mean, like, is it, 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 it like you know? A lot of people say it's like, oh, our masjids need to change. We need to, we need to add all these things. We need to do all this stuff. And uh, then, I get it. And, and the way I think about it, and maybe it's just me being cynical, no, you just need right? Better people. Is it is it the people that have changed, or is it that the masjid needs changing, right? So sometimes that that, that always bothers me, right? It says, it's pretty deep. I, I turned I turned out fine in the masjid, and sometimes I think like it's because of the. The, the stuff that I learned in the masjid, the character and dealing yeah. with people and dealing with that, like, really stubborn uncle or that random, like, guy who, like, talks to you that, like, you know, about, like, some obscure topic and you have to learn. And these, these like, things build character. When you meet that uncle who yells at you that you need to pick up the trash, right? And you can You're right. It. So these these little things, right, I think uh, are part and parcel of what, I get what makes you mean, a masjid. So, so I mean, I it's, it. It, is it the masjids that need changing or is it – people that need change here's uh here's a thought i've i've thought about this for a while uh we don't know 
what the future holds and whatever is uh, unpredictable and you cannot imagine is probably the most more likely than what you can imagine. I have thought about what happens if there's a time, there's a period of time that our, the country descends into or the world descends into where there's no longer um, safety, basically basic civil safety. Base, the police have lost order. Could mm. there ever be a time when the local police have lost order? For some reason, you never know. Like, Yeah, of course. You never know what's going to happen, right? Mm. And then we're going to – what would we be saying? We'd be saying the next generation would be coming and saying our parents never taught us martial arts. Our parents never taught us to use weapons. Our parents never secured the mosque. We would naturally say we didn't have to, right? Mm. That's our natural thing. They would come up and establish masajid that were literally safe right. because you had armed people at it at all times to avoid <laughs> these roving gangs, right? Just imagine this hypothetical. Well, here's the other pro- the problem that we've had. The problem is uh, now different. The current problem is now different. Number one, the average person in the 70s and 80s had common decency and knew the fundamentals of Islam and there was no threat to the basics of Daruri knowledge. Right. Right? Therefore, they didn't need to establish it. Right? The, the, the craving need or the absolute, this dire need for a teacher of Aqidah was basically maybe not as important as it is, as it is today. Hmm. Secondly, right, you were Muslim. Your family's Muslim. You're going to be Muslim. There was very little competition for your attention. So you didn't need to make the masjid a place of excitement, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't a need. You just needed a place to pray Jummah. Yeah, you were competing with three TV channels, one of which exactly. was fuzzy. Exactly. <laughs> the competition, so that's why the mentality of they said, okay, let's take four walls and that's a mosque. Bang. It's over. Yeah. So just imagine us, the world changing on us, which it will change on us, right? And the same way that the world changed on the previous generation of masjid people who established masjid. So I think that it's a combination that the people have changed, right? The people have changed to the negative, that they, 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 they're, there are more threats against them. The society has changed and the people have changed. Right. There are more threats against them. And we as human beings, unfortunately, have required, because we're creatures of this world, higher dosages of being pleasured and entertained mm. the idea of taking a kid and putting him and having no fun all day could have passed in our time how many days in the 80s that you grew up that you did not have fun on a Saturday at all mm. like you went with your mom to, 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 to errands right <laughs> then your yes, yeah, then your sister needed to go shoe shopping but someone needed to your dad wasn't there to take care of you so you had to go with your sister's shoe shop it was better being a dad back then so <laughs> you didn't have to take the kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to go shoe shopping with your mom and sister hypothetical or and then okay got late alright no food we gotta go to the supermarket by the time you get home at 6 o'clock you have to have dinner there's no such thing as let's have dinner after the game there's no such thing Right, you're having dinner. You missed the game that's on TV. The one thing that you looked forward to the whole time, from seven six thirty to nine thirty p.m., was let's say an NBA playoff game, and you missed it. The only thing that could make you happy that day is to wait for the rerun on the eleven o'clock news, right? <laughs> and that was it. So that happened. If that happens today to a kid, 
He'll, right? he'll, 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 he'll file a complaint with yeah. the UN. It's a Human Rights Commission. <laughs> right? So the negative on us is that the desire and need to be pleased and pleasured and entertained mm. is so much greater. Yeah. Right? So, so that's why... Yeah, so I'm just gonna just to just to wrap up the point I was gonna make before is, um, and for anybody that's thinking about doing an, any kind of Muslim organization, there's just one recommendation that I have that I it's not a recommendation. Wallahi, if you listen to nothing else that I ever say, do this, and that is don't have board elections and elected boards for anything, yeah. especially masjids. Yeah. It's nonsense. There's no precedent for it. No other nonprofit runs that way. You can't have a vision and you can't. Enact that vision when your board is constantly changing and it's constantly changing based on popularity or who can who has the most friends or who can rustle up the most votes. It's garbage. Before you start the organization, set up a vision, elect, select people for the board who fulfill that vision, and as they need to leave if they have to or they die, have the board appoint somebody else that's that that has the same vision. Real quick, if if MSA had to do it over, it would be SSA. Sunni Student Association, right? <laughs> because it's too broad. What is a Muslim? Okay, Qadiani's claim to be Muslim, right? right. So, uh, so in these vision statements that people have, the idea of putting down where where our aqidah comes from and where our fiqh. Why is it that Salafi masjids were more crisp than your average local mosque? Yeah. Like you know what you're going to get. You never have a restaurant except that it tells you we're a seafood restaurant, we're a burger joint, we are this yeah. or that. Yeah, you can't let your customers. Well, you come here a lot, yeah. so we're gonna elect you, and you get to pick stuff for the menu, even if. So now we have to add turkey sandwiches to yeah. our sushi restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. No, because it's you not want gonna happen. What well, one guy? One guy once. We we had a guy from. Uh, at some point, someone said, "Let's get." There's a guy from one of these umbrella organizations, I'm not going to say which it is, you can probably figure it out when I'm about to say it, <laughs> and to come and advise us on governance, right? So he gave an example and he said, there was such a program uh, it was for the birth of the prophet, Mawlid, right? And they said, should we do it or not? Right? And he said, his response was, well, the, uh, he said, I taught these, this, this masjid and my advice to them was, for anything, the first thing that you ask is, uh, Will the community accept this? Is it inclusive or not? I said, no, this is way off, way off. Do or do not based on a thought-out principle, right? And a minhaj. And educate your people. This mosque operates on XYZ minhaj. You can go to other ones. You could come for any event you want, and you could not come. But so you know, this is a seafood restaurant, right? This is a steakhouse. Right. Don't come and ask me why there's no fish and now marching outside. There's no fish outside the steakhouse. Why? And write a bad review. I'm telling you. But I don't want to drive to the next restaurant. Yeah. I want you to serve yeah. me what I want because you're yeah. closer to my the house. Only people who, yeah. The only people who can't do that, the only people who cannot do this, right? Maybe they cannot do this are... Burger King doesn't let you have it your way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you may upset... A couple people now, but you've immediately limited and contained the people you will upset, and now you can grow. Now you, as a sheikh, can actually teach, right? I once went to the MSA and it was developing. This was way back, and they said, okay, and now then I discovered well there are now Shia there. Okay, so what do you want me to do? I'm teaching Sahih Muslim. Should I remove the Hadith of Aisha? Like what? What is this? Do you, do you think things through or not? Right. This is a theological operation here, so we gotta. You gotta tell us what we're doing. You could do like uh, like NYU does, where they have uh, they have Khalatif, and yeah. they also have some Shia guy. 
they have him officially? Yeah. Yeah, see, this is I've the, seen the video. I can't stomach I've this. seen the videos. Yeah, I it, makes me wanna, it makes me want to put some money We actually were there yesterday bar. when he was given a darse. <laughs> a I, I, yeah. We were actually praying the Dahor and Asr, right? The... So we, we got there like we missed Bro, I've seen some of his dudus like online. Yeah. I, I want to I I put that dude in like a rear naked <laughs> choke or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. It's Don't put that Oh, my God. I'm telling you, this stuff is... It just why don't you put peanut butter? It's horrible. It's like horrible things about like Khalid bin Walid radiallahu anhu. Oh, like really? what is he doing? I I would hit him in in real life. I would hit him. I wouldn't let him talk like that. I don't yeah. care if I get arrested. See, you can get away with that. You're an attorney, bro. We can't. No, I wouldn't no, care. I'd no, get arrested no, and no, I'd no, lose no. my job, but it doesn't matter. No, no, because no, I, no, I know what you mean. You're not going to insult the Sahaba in front of me. Exactly. Yeah. Scum. No, I can't no, do it. You for your passion for the Sahaba. No, it's unaccepted. So, and that's and that's that's where we've gotten for not putting so, Aqidah first. Remember, remember those those Shia guys that just invited. Yeah, people himself. Yeah. They just invited, say, oh, there's a Hussein pro. We're doing a a, a Hussein program uh, this year, or well, whatever Ashura. it was, right? yeah. Ashura program. Just from saying that, I was like fired up. People yeah. were like, calm down, stop. Yeah. I just, and they didn't even say anything crazy, but I know what they do. So of course, yeah. No, uh, you, you not that, and it's not. It's not. This is not about. By the way, this is not against regular rank and file everyday share. But people who consider themselves ulama should know better. They've studied. They know more Arabic than I do. They've read more books than I do. They have access to all this information, and they're just either insincere or stupid. Yeah. And either way, they're not acceptable. And once they start insulting Sahaba, it's not accepted. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you go around and you, you're a Shia because you grew up in an Iranian family, and that's just who you are, yeah. alhamdulillah, that's your yeah. business. You do what you do, and you don't know much, and you're jahil. That's fine. Yeah. Right, like I am. I like feel just like I'm back in the nineties. Like just that. regular. By the I way, I like it. a regular person like me. Right, everyday rank and file Muslim. You just know what you know about your perspective, and you don't know the other one. Alhamdulillah. But if you're like a scholar and you're wearing a big black turban yeah. and you're talk, you're trying to uh, t- tell people what happened historically with people that are, you know, greater than your mother and yeah. your father. Yeah. yeah. Then you have no greater excuse, and I'm not going to accept right, it from right. you. Uh, the t- I just want to go back to what you asked before about serving. Yeah, that's that whole thing about taslim to the sheikh. This is the question you asked before you went upstairs and came back and went upstairs and yeah. came back a second time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the only reason I do any of this stuff is because Dr. Shadi asked me to. Otherwise, I would you wouldn't even know oh who man, I am. I, and think, I'd be just I sitting think you around. guys are an awesome team. So yeah. Honestly, I know you guys want to hear praise in front of your face. No one asked me to say this. Honestly, you guys are an awesome team, dude. Honestly. I feel like we should... Dude, I don't want to honestly. I don't want the podcast to end right now. That's why I keep talking with you guys, man. You guys are true gentlemen, honestly, man. Well, sorry for the, all the uh, the rant, but hey, no, no, just some good. stuff. I it was a breath of fresh air, dude. Yeah. I haven't heard that talk since the nineties. <laughs> hey, the, the the number of ayats about the Sahaba are yeah. too much to enumerate and too clear to enumerate. Radiyallahu anhu How about shuhada al-nas? And you're not going to accept their hadith? Allah, yeah. the, Allah said they're witnesses to the people. On what the Prophet said, said, and you're not going to accept their hadith. So this ayah is upon this ayah, Imam Malik said we t- treated them as fasik, right, or, or as mushrik, no marrying or from them and whatnot. And every once in a while, you need to draw that line in the sand so you don't have confusion. Your kids could grow up with stability, right? Oh, but you're causing sectarian conflict. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not causing it. The heretics by being heretics are crossing. <laughs> Bro, it's not like a, it's not like I, it's not like I'm walking around naming my kids Muawiyah like I would want to. Sheikh Amr did. My son says Muawiyah. Mashallah, Mashallah. By the way, I wasn't kidding. I literally would love to name my son. Inshallah, may Allah give you children and one of the Muawiyah. I mean, um, so I mean, I want to get back actually slightly, just like. 10 minutes prior to the, the Shia discussion. Um, <laughs> we were talking about them, were we? We were just talking about concepts. So, I, I, th- I think in a, 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. In, in addition, in addition to the, uh, uh, basically, what I was going to say is, you know, from the '90s to today, I think masjids have changed, but also the environment that we live in has changed. As Dr. Shadi said, right? There was only one thing to do in 1995, right? There wasn't. Well, you know, at the end of the day, there was one thing to look forward to. I mean, with the internet and the boom of the internet, and this was initially going to be our middle topic, is that the way Muslims consume information and understand information, there's so much distraction, right? An insane amount of distraction that the masjid itself now has to accommodate for that distraction, right? In order to just get you in into the masjid, now we have to like buy a pool table before you just came for the sake of Allah, right? Now it's like, you know, the intention might be for coming to Allah, but that incentive for yeah. the pool table is kind of nice, right? <laughs> people, people treat the masjid now like kids treat like their toys, they're like, yeah. How come it doesn't light up and it doesn't, like, <laughs> it doesn't make sounds and it doesn't like <laughs> pound it up, brother? <laughs> I, I think the uh, when you when you how promote come I can't this, touch, it doesn't have a touch screen. <laughs> yeah. When you when you promote this stuff, part of education is uh, to to lay down what something is. And when you if you want, if you ever go out in anything, to take a consumer approach and give people a consumer approach, you're in trouble. Right, you're in big trouble, right? And a lot of times, you know what people ask me? People say, "If we do this course, what do we get?" Right? My answer is, "You took the course, you learned something. That's what you get." What? I, uh, but I tell them, "Do you want me to go to Staples and print out a nice glossy piece of paper? I could do that for you if you want. Right? It means nothing. Why am I taking this? What do I get at the end of this course? You get the fact that you learned, that you took the course." Right. And that type of boredom is something that the model minorities in their world, like, you know, you, you heard this phrase like model minorities, right? Like Pakistanis, Chinese, Indians, uh, and, uh, Coptic Egyptians, right? These model. <laughs> Did we talk about this already? <laughs> Just keep going, brother. Keep going. It don't matter. Because these people, <laughs> these people, their parents came from a world that was very simple. Yeah. Right. There's nothing to do. So they teach their kids that there's nothing to do except yeah. study. Okay? So they've educated their children and habituated them to simplicity. Mm. Like a simple day. A day in which I studied math for three hours, right? Maybe had fun for one hour, right? They've habituated their kids. And fun means we, we play dodgeball, <clears throat> right? Yeah. With my brother and sister. Play dodgeball. Yeah. Or we kick the ball in the backyard. Very, like one tool, the ball. Right, one prop, one toy, very simple. So to habituate people, and that's part of the education. I feel, name, I would put it closer to self for psychology. You have to change the psychology, right? Don't expect to be entertained. I'm not, you know, a clown to come and entertain you. You need to lower your control your brain, right, and make yourself realize that the value is the talib, right? That's it. We have one textbook, you take the lecture, you ask questions, you learn, you practice it. No, there's no slides, yeah. there's no video element, there's no right. AV element. It's very human. Southern on Southern. Yeah. yeah, anytime that you act as a type of, I don't know what to do, what do you want to do, I always immediately shut that company off. Like if a company says, it sends a survey, tell us what you want. To me, you know what that says? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? Because I'm only going to tell you something that I already know. 
I need a company that's going to give me something I don't know, right? And that's one of the things I loved about Apple, right? And Steve Jobs' approach was awesome. He said, I'm not going to do a survey because they're going to only tell us something they know exists. I need to bring up something they don't know exists, something they need that they don't know that they need, right? So if, you, if a person, if a group doesn't have that or a company or masjid, whatever, doesn't have that attitude where we actually can provide you with something, you might not mm-hmm. know that you need it, you need it. I'm telling you, you need it. That's the most successful business. That's the world. most successful thing in the world. And Vicar Night is something that we did. Right, Asim uh, started off, he, he had the idea. And many people were like, well, what are we supposed to do with this? What's the big deal? Right? And I actually firmly believed you need it. Right? And, uh, and it stuck. Can you explain? explain? Vicar night is very simply that we know that people do, do not do vicar. Right? Very rarely people do vicar. Only Salafis don't do vicar. Huh? Only Salafis don't do vicar. No, but the, and the common... The Salafis do group vicar every year on Eid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. Now, the, 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 your common guy, how many times is he reading Surah Al-Mulk at night? Right? Very rarely. How many times is Afghar of the evening at night? Very rarely. Right? So our job is to get him habituated to that. Well, how are you going to get him habituated to that? So you're going to come in, and you get the book, and we recite it together. You get habituated to it. Maybe in three or four years, one day you'll say it alone in your room. So you accomplish something that wasn't there before. Right? So... Not one day. My wife does Rasul every day now. Allah Akbar. Critical. Critical. I can comment on this with personal experience, right? I mean... After going to the vicar nights, you know, eventually you're just like, hey, maybe I should do the weird by myself, right? Instead of just going to the vicar every time. Because I remember one day I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I need to go to the vicar. I need to do my vicar. I was like, wait a minute. I can just do my vicar. No, but it, it, it's it's true, right? The the purpose behind it is to is to sort of bring people together to educate people how to make thicker. You'd be surprised how many people actually don't know how to make thicker, right? It's like, oh, you if you if you meet like a, a just like recently converted person, like I know one of my friends, he recently converted, um, and like you you explain the concept of thicker, and he's like, what, what do you mean? Like, what am I? Am I just supposed to repeat it? Like, what am I supposed? Yeah. To? And he was like, can you show me? Like, what yeah. am I supposed to do? Exactly. It's it's a foreign concept for a lot of people, and I don't think it's just like you know like converts that have that problem. I would argue even Muslims don't know how to do dhikr, right? If they've never been taught, then you're not going to know. Not for Catholics, man. Catholics. Oh, yeah. Catholics <laughs> That's their punishment for, for doing. I recently. Their, their punishment for for doing a sin and then you confess is go do dhikr. Do just like yeah, yeah. go twenty five Hail Mary. Well, like yeah. Bart Simpson writing the no, sentences do. over like, and over to, on the chalkboard. <laughs> See, when, uh, we, when we were young, we were given uh, big jars of kidney beans. And this is one of the things that uh, made me turn away from Sufism when I was young, was that it seemed like uh, our parents would be invited to a, a party. You, er, everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, it's like be these big jars of beans and you're counting. Um, you're saying something. You have no idea what you're saying. But you have to complete. Everyone has to complete the million that's there or something. Yeah, it's like a, a bunch of people yeah. there. Throw in the middle, and once mm-hmm. you complete it, then the person is forgiven inshallah or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that. Yeah, and it just seemed like an exercise in futility because you're like, what is this doing? I'm not experiencing anything. It's supposed to be some some kind of religious practice, but it just seems very odd. Why is it kidney beans? Why aren't we ch- picking pennies or Sweet some beans, jelly beans or some other kind of uh, item. I have an answer for that. Yeah. All the other items that you named are things that people would pocket. <laughs> 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 steal a no one, right? Yeah. But but it was just 
<laughs> yeah, it was this odd um, because well, that's that's the result of when something is inherited, yeah, and the reason behind the core reason is not inherited, and so they're unable to pass on the core purpose or reason. Yeah. And it's also been changed. And it's been changed and altered, and that's yeah, meaning that's a is a, I think in in, in, in that yeah. in, in yeah. that example that Sim provided, like meaning is what's missing, yeah. mm-hmm. right? It's I don't know why I'm doing this. That's that's the part of it that's right. missing, and yeah. and a lot of times you see that with a lot of people's practice, not just zikr, is that it becomes an Islam of purely ritualistic practices. Yeah. Oh, I meaning. just do these things, and 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 that's what I have to yeah. do. They don't know why I'm doing them or what the significance is behind why I need to do this. But yeah. I, you know, I've just been told to do this, and so I'm doing it. In a recent kidney beans into the center of the room. Yeah. In a right? recent uh, <laughs> thing between what people <laughs> like, right? What the public or Muslim public likes and versus need is. I recently realized that a lot of our intellectuals, a lot of our um, commentators, good commentating, uh, good activity, but I think the basics are need some shoring up. Right, and many people it's purely intellectual, right? So I felt the best way to do this is to learn how to read Quran, right? So when I put the Tajweed series up, I got some comments like, "No one's really going to watch this. It's not exciting. It's not interesting." I'm like, it's "This, not exciting. yeah." I was like, "This is not, not about like that. It's about what America. you need, right?" And even if it's not even true, yeah. and even if the medium Facebook people go to comment and have fun, right? But at least it, it got on your radar <clears throat> that you need Tajweed. It got on your radar. Even if you didn't watch the videos on, t- on that, but it got on your radar that there's something called Tajweed. I actually need to pronounce the letters right, and I need to do that. I need to actually learn this. And if it gets on someone's radar like that, then the goal has been achieved. Yeah. But it's all about, like you studied, right? You know the blueprint of number one, and you know the blueprint of an upright Muslim. You know the blueprint. You know the terrain, America. And you're in Chicago, right? Now, the community needs someone to tell them what to do. Lay this brick here. Wait on this brick. Don't put this brick yet. Put the piping in. Lay this foundation. That That's what you studied for, right? Now, for someone that I've seen and you've seen, people have studied, they came back the exact opposite. Like, where are you all at? And he's bending and torturing the text and the tradition, right, to fit where people are at. Yeah. It's like, what is your point? Exactly. Why? So that the people could like it. When people say to me, I'm not feeling a lot of khushua on my salah, what should I do? I said, the first thing is stop worrying about how you feel. <laughs> that's the first thing. Wait, wait, is, I, that's pretty profound. Wait, what do you mean by that? A brother came and said, I've been going to the masjid and I committed I'm going to go to the masjid in the summer every day for salah for five times a day. But after a while now, right, the feeling is not there. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I said, you're worshiping Allah. Stop worrying about your feelings. Subhanallah. Right? Worship Allah for Allah. The Allah knows this is good. Okay, so the Mujahid out there in the Mamluk times, mm-hmm. in the Abbasid times, the Seljuk Mujahid is fighting the Christians and the Crusaders. He's enjoying himself. No, and I'll tell you why that's so profound. I didn't have a spiritual experience. I didn't see Jibril with a yellow turban. No, I'll tell you why that's a profound. That's very profound. I met a brother in Egypt, and he trekked all the way to Egypt to meet some of the big Sufi scholars there. And he was living with me for two weeks, right? His exact words he had a book. I don't even know who the author was. 
And the person was quoting Imam al-Ghazali. And he still said to me, he's like, look, this is why I'm here. He was on a mission. Like, and he's like, when Fatima radiallahu anha, when she used to pray, there used to be a light that used to emanate from her room. I was like, subhanAllah, that's awesome. Mm. And he's like, that's why I'm here. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, once I see that light, I know I'm on the truth. Wow. So, a, so that, look, look at that delusion. No, but look at that delusion. He's wrote it for goofism. If you feel that you're not going to get any feeling. This is the main thing, dude. You're not going to get any feeling from worshiping Allah. You're going to get direction. That's what hidayah is. You're going to get direction. Yes. The first thing is that how beautiful is Hadith Jibreel? It breaks apart or puts sections off the Sharia so beautifully. If you want to summarize, those who are listening, I've said this many times before. If you want to know how to summarize Islam, if somebody asks you what Islam is, just summarize, just summarize Hadith Jibreel. Breaking and broken in three parts in the signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah at the end, right? First, what is Iman? Iman is this, everything that has to do with Aqidah. Mm-hmm. What is Islam? Everything that has to do with Fiqh, right? First, you have acknowledgement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have orders and regulations, obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is fiqh, how to worship Allah the best of your ability, right? And then the next purpose of the being is to show gratitude, meaning to you worship Allah as if you see him, level one. And if he doesn't see you, or if you don't see him, know that he sees you, right? Now, all of this doesn't have to do with the feeling. It's about knowing that Allah is your creator and that relationship will always be pure between me and Allah. What do I have to do to get to that stage? I'm not concerned about a feeling. I'm concerned about the feeling in the akhirah. That's true. <laughs> I want to avoid all of that. That's true. How do I avoid all of that, right? Mm. So one, one dilemma that we have is that we don't recognize what Allah has given us. What do I mean by that? One interesting thing we were talking about as far as the message and the people have changed and all that, but one thing that Allah is showing us in this, if you have love to do salah and talk about Islam, Allah has favored you. Mm. Maybe, wallahu alam, this is just a test and the messages are never going to be the same like they used to. Nothing's ever going to be like the messages of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, ever. And maybe it is, wallahu alam, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just telling us, hey, hidayah is with Allah. And those of you who love to pray and talk about Islam, you're favored. Mm. Totally. Everything else doesn't matter. Totally. If there's no messages in this dunya, if there's a message, that doesn't matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So one thing that we have to do is as far as you're talking about I like for Tasawwuf, you, you, you kind of use it synonymously with psychology, right? It's about how we see the things around us, mm. right? And how we bring those back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything. None of this is a coincidence. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you guys, I'm actually learning a lot just in this past hour. And I'm understanding why things are unraveling, you know, mashallah. And uh, we have to be able to see that and to know that when you do remember Allah, it doesn't, it just does not, doesn't mean just remember Him, right? The dhikr means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your creator, nothing else is there except for Allah, and He is the number one priority. No matter what you feel, whether it's pain or happiness, as long as Allah is happy, that's all that matters, right? And as far as Salah is concerned, the only thing that I got my children to pray, my child, my five-year-old is super energetic. But when it comes to thanks, because we taught him how important thanks is, and he doesn't want to pray with us, I say, do you want to thank Allah? Of course. 
Isn't it rude not to think? Then he's ready to pray. Mm. Nothing else worked for him. Threatening him, timeouts, this, none yeah. of that worked. It was all about thanks. And that is the essence of of tasawwuf or tazkiyat mm-hmm. al-nafs or a'mal al-qulub or yeah. purification of the soul. It's about recognizing Allah and thanking Allah and putting everything that you have. It's not a coincidence. It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It's that common decency yeah. that people have. They can recognize it with people. They need that now to extend that to Allah Ta'ala. Right. Extending right. that common decency. And when you talked about the fiqh element, I always feel that there cannot be really a division between tasawwuf and fiqh, even though there is. But fiqh is the beginning of sakina. And I'll explain why. If you want the first step to sakina, it's a sacred law. Right? Or uh, you can say, start with aqidah, basic things about rizq. The belief in Allah is razzaq. Right? He's the sustainer. He'll, he'll give you, the, your money will come. He calms you down. He's in charge of everything. All right, your boss, whether he's angry or not angry, for the justified or not justified, Allah is above him. So that's aqidah, giving you sakina. Sharia gives us, the sacred law gives us sakina too, in that when relationships are sound and good, right, stress is relieved. I recently came upon a situation where an individual, uh, a sister, her parents were not being taken care of, right? Well, whose job is to take care of the parents? Financially speaking, is the brother first, the son. Elderly parents, who takes care of them? The son or the daughter? The son, right? Well, he wasn't doing his job. So now there's a double burden on the woman, right? So she's so stressed out. And this, this is a simple example where the sacred law would have relieved her of this stress, this financial stress, right? These are so many little examples, right, of how the sacred law relieves people's stress and brings sakina. How about oh. not visiting? You can't, you, let's say I went to knock on Mahin's house and visit him, and he's not home. And his wife says, well, he, he'll be home in 10 minutes, right? We'll say, okay, well, I'll just have a cup of tea and wait in the living room. And Mahin walks in and finds me sitting at the living room with his wife. He should beat you both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is he going to have? Some say, oh, how could you doubt your wife? No, uh, Sharia doesn't come to... It, it, this rule is made to avoid even the hint of a doubt. Yeah. Right? Suspicion is removed. But besides that, so, things like that. If it's reversed, yeah, yeah take it. If, if, if that scenario was reversed and it's like a, a wife comes home and she finds her friend in yeah. the house with her husband, nobody's going to go, oh, how could you doubt your husband? Yeah, exactly. So save that. That's yeah. nonsense, mm. number one. I'll give you another really practical example I thought of, Sheikh, when you were talking about that. And this is something that, inshallah, will benefit especially the youth. Say you see something that you really, really desire, right? Obviously, if you're a young unmarried person or a married person sometimes, it's going to be someone of the opposite sex, right? So you see this. What are you going to do? Well, the Sharia already taught you you can't take certain actions. Mm -hmm. So you have to have patience with that. And then your Aqidah teaches you that, in fact, if you obey Allah and fulfill your, your, your duties and don't commit sins, then on the day of judgment you have the reward of anything. So just postpone that. Yeah. So you can say, I really want to, or whatever it is, right? I really want to like do something wrong in my job so I can make more money, steal from my clients so I can buy this car. But then you, if, you've, if you have the, 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 the basis already there of aqidah and fiqh, you go, well, I can't do it, it's haram. And on the day of judgment, the Muslim is rewarded with whatever he wants and whatever he desires. So I'll just do my business halal and honestly, and I'll trust in Allah for a reward on the Day of Judgment. And there's your tasa- your practical tasawwuf already. 
I, I want to ask a question, kind of back to the whole boredom and like learning institutions and stuff like that. So we're in a WhatsApp group today, right? And it's kind of noticing we're, we're noticing that there's a program going on in Chicago, and the sisters. Go, I mean, it's our Mad Mamooks group, so we have some women volunteers and whatnot. And they're like, oh, we can only see the wall What's because that? like Chicago is like certain parts of Chicago like is very conservative. Where when the Mashiach have a, a dars. The sisters aren't going to see them. There's going to be like a, a barrier all the way through. Don't they have TVs though? I don't think TVs work in it. Or they, they the TV facing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> it was facing the TV was angled towards the wall, so they got a video feed of the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like at the same time, could you say there's like some kind of wisdom in there? Like that actually is better training for them because you know because if, if I'm looking at the shake, I'm probably like distracted by his beard. Or his thobe, and you know, oh, like, or his green eyes, or something. No, his, well, for <laughs> you know, women, what I'm it'll be more about his oratory skills. Okay, so, yeah. but like, but okay. they they're hung up on the fact that they're just seeing a wall, so I can't really learn this institution because, you know, the knowledge is good, but it's not engaging because I can't even engage with the instructor. Sheikh, I'm gonna pass you the mic, but just quickly, I remember a long time ago somebody said that about uh, a masjid up north in North Jersey that the women's section was blocked off and you couldn't even see the imam. And I was like, "What? Unless you're six two or praying in the front row, you're not going to see the imam anyway. Yeah. What are you complaining about?" Here's my take on the point, the issue of uh, uh, barriers. Based, it's based on my personal opinion and experience, and also what I've heard for feedback from women, right, sisters. The number one number one is the idea that it's not necessarily about seeing the person, but it's about the ability to ask a question. Yeah. That's, That's totally valid, important. right? To That's me, it's very totally important. important. Yeah. Secondly, it's about a, a secondary reality that happens when there's there are these barriers. Many times, some people imagine that the barrier is also a sound barrier, right? Or that they so they make a lot. There's a lot of noise. So when you have a barrier, like uh, let's say a barrier, or, or women are in another room, there are some women in there, right? who make a lot of noise. And as a result, it's a place of chaos. So the one who actually wants to study yeah. can't study, not because they can't see the person, but because... Of the social gathering that they're in, though. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the room changes. Yeah. So that's the second thing. My personal thing is whenever I listen to something and try to benefit from something Islamic, if it's a, let's say it's a long video and it's really good, I always download it right, and swap it into an MP3 because... If it's just audio, I personally benefit a lot better when it's just audio. Yeah. All right. For some, just that, and I, I, I take notes like with my hands or I open up a thing and take notes on it. That's just me personally. Right. So I think that's really where it comes from. If, a, if, uh, if the frustration might be the feeling that, can I ask a question? How am I supposed to raise my hand? How am I supposed to get a clarification? So if that can, thing could be solved, that that's needed in education, right? I, I just want to jump in and say that the 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 person the sheikh that I've learned the absolute most for I mean like more than seventy percent of what's valuable in terms of what I know I had never even seen his face there's not even a picture of him anywhere and all I did was listen to audios until one day I finally was able to sit down and meet him and I I just have to by by then most of it had already been uh, imparted so. And I couldn't ask questions either because they were recorded lessons. Mm. But the benefit that of those lessons was tremendous, and it far exceeded 
almost everything else that I've ever done, even in person with people. So, yeah. see, I, I, my, you know, just the the past tirade I gave. I just want to have a clarification. That's not to downplay <laughs> the the fact that there are massages where women literally can't hear what men can hear. Or there's no women's or, section. Or there is no women's section. Yeah. Or that, you know, there is clearly an unfair, like, um, like very clearly unfair, like, representation for men and not for women. I, th- you know, that my tirade wasn't about that. Mine, mine is about both genders, this idea of, like, you know, uh, sensory learning that it has to happen, right? Um, when it comes to, you know, having equal access to learning, I mean, that's valid for both genders. Yeah. That is and uh, another point has to do with ARF, I guess you could call it ARF, is that you, when, you ha- when you have a masjid or a center, you, like you said, the, the Hanafis, they want to push the envelope to see, or not push the envelope, but see what are the limits of what's forbidden and obligatory. So in that respect, when we have a center... How are you going to accommodate for people who are devoted greatly? You're going to accommodate for people who are just became Muslim, right? So therefore, you go at the rate, the pace of the slowest. The perspective that I take is, I go at the pace of the slowest. So I would go, I would look at how would a totally new Muslim, right, or a non-Muslim walk when if they were walking to the place, I would want them to be completely comfortable. That's my take. So I would base upon their customs, right? I would go upon their customs. I want to make sure that they are going to come into the masjid and not feel like this is some foreign place. And just by the physical environment, right, they want to leave. Well, that's really bad. Mm. That's my take on it, personally, is that I want to go at the pace that the, the, even the non-Muslims coming to check out the place, okay, will feel like this is not so bizarre. That's that's my personal take. I want to make sure that people could bring their non-Muslim parents, right, and not have to give them like a precursor lecture just about w- what the f- space looks like. Well, w- we need to get to the doctrine and the or the the content, right? And we need to f- make them put them. That's my personal take on things. Yeah. Amir Khan, what is this? Uh, who's uh, Amir Khan? Is the uh, boxer Amir Khan of English? Apologize for calling Caitlyn Bruce. Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. Oh, he called her Bruce. He still has pesky pronoun issues. Call him Bruce. <laughs> Dude, her <laughs> it? He was a man for 70 years. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You, just made, you just triggered him. Mm-hmm. He gets uncomfortable when people don't use prompt. He got scared for a second. No, you should have seen team, the eyes open man, up of Elias. Men do not want How many Bruce pronouns anymore. are there, though? Too bad. He belongs Bruce in a, his own category called it. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys are realized he's sleepy right now, but now he's getting energy, so you guys see the goofiest side of him right but now. The thing <laughs> I know him very well. Everything's be sarcasm till tonight. We will not take him back. <laughs> 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 this is like the, Ch- the Chappelle draft. <laughs> <laughs> the racial draft. Yeah. Uh, gender draft. Uh, Sim is very progressive. He he believes progressive? in a third. He believes in a third gender. No, no, I it, believe in it's a, a, a washroom where you have to go outside into the bushes, or that type <laughs> of uh, whatever he is. Just go. <laughs> whatever take he care is. Care of it. What you what you what you got to do. 
in the forest, come back and join civilization. There's a there was there's a lawsuit. Uh, it's still pending appeal in Philadelphia. It's, it's uh, a young girl actually at a school filed a lawsuit. Um, that uh, they passed an they passed an ordinance or a law forcing the schools mm-hmm. to <laughs> accept. Uh, you Sorry, know, look at this comment. Oh, so somebody left a comment on that article about uh, Amir Khan that just says Bruce, 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 Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. <laughs> um, so anyway, they were they put, they ha- they had a law where the, the the school had to let people go to the locker rooms and uh, and bathrooms of whatever gender they claimed. And this girl filed a lawsuit against the school district, saying this is insane. I don't want boys walking into my into our locker room while I'm getting changed for gym. Of course, it's nonsense. Of course. So uh, that's still working its way through the courts, but this is like a real concern. And it's not it's not the bathroom, by the way. It's not the bathroom. Sure, you go to the bathroom, you lock the stall, whatever, nobody's looking, everybody does their business. It's not that place. But the locker rooms, especially in a high school, you can't let the boys near that locker room. No, what bothers me is even, okay, yes, that's, of course, uh, something that would terrify any, especially the father of three daughters. It's just terrifying. But what really terrifies me, at least in terms of, Competition for w- women who are, have to compete against men who oh, are consider themselves women now. Though that happened in Connecticut, yeah, like they're c- destroying every female record yeah. out there. They're beating all the other r- female that are in their respective sports. One guy in a, it was boxing, I think, yeah. or some like yeah. knocked her out, yeah. knocked her out cold. Well, and, and just too, yeah. the, the 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 high school champion state championships in Connecticut this year. Um, the hundred yard dash and then the some other some other uh, yeah. short race, both of them was uh, both of them were won by boys. Like they finished one and two in those races. It's just males who say that they identify as females and they just smoked the competition. Of course, yeah. they're bigger, they're faster, they have more muscle mass. Yeah. There's no question about this. Yeah, there's also a a delusion. Delusion. There's also yeah. yeah, the comments on this TMZ article are. TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. We're gonna stop it right here. And move on, because TMZ, I'm not, I'm not entertained. Mainly, see, I mean, I don't even know what uh, the the background of TMZ because uh, I don't follow this stuff. But Somebody they're mainly, Twitter, they're mainly uh, against this nonsense. Of course, right? No, people are normal. This yeah, is not, this people is are normal. Yeah, <laughs> this is the media pushing yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, they're they're totally like, well, why are you apologizing? His, his it's his chromosomes are still a male chromosome. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. By the way, just remember when Kevin Hart, whether there's a so- Sony Sony emails got um, yeah. hacked or yeah. whatever. One of the things that that came out besides the big Kevin Hart thing or whatever it was, I missed was, that one. What was it? What did they say about Kevin? They, Hart? they just they were talking bad about him because of the way he was negotiating his oh, deals okay. or whatever. Okay. But one of the other big things that came out that wasn't talked about, one of the other things that wasn't big but it should have been, is that they had planning meetings at Sony Pictures about how they're going to promote uh, Israel. Oh, okay. Coming yeah. here, like this is something that the executives sit yeah. down and talk about, yeah. and they exchange emails about. It. It's not a conspiracy; yeah. they're available. Very similarly, people in Hollywood have admitted that at some point they were like, "We really have to change attitudes about gay people because yeah. there's so many of us that are gay." Yeah. So we're just going to push it in the media, and this is all that you're seeing. Yeah. Normal Americans don't buy into this yeah. stuff. Some of the kids do because they're stupid and they don't know. And <laughs> I think, and I think that uh, even um, I got to hang on New Jersey a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, the, the LGBT crowd. Once things get really, they, they've talked about this. I'm not even talking about this. Their senior members have talked about this. That the new generation, 
Yeah, I remember that. No, no, of the LGBT lobby. The older what is the what, it, what is that? the older homosexuals? Right, it's not even LGBT anymore. No, you know what they're saying, but they're, what they're saying is the new generation is too cushy, they're way too much support. They're not fiery enough, and we can't trust them with the movement. They're yeah. too cushy. They're too fuzzy. And then there's that, right? that you mentioned. They're too fluffy. So the 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 elders were so strong. Yeah, exactly. What's that? <laughs> no, you brought up something, man. Go ahead. You said something really interesting. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, what I was saying is that there's 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 been already a, a trouble brewing between like radical feminists, which are the women from the '70s, right? So like Jermaine Greer and them, and transgender, because these women say, "Listen, I, fine, I accept you as whatever you claim you are." But don't tell me that you lived 40 years as a man and you know what it's yeah. like to be a woman. Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't go through puberty as uh-huh. a girl. You weren't. You didn't have that experience of being, you know, uh, feeling uncomfortable and feeling endangered around men as you were a young woman. You know, legitimate complaints that women in the West yeah. and in, in the Muslim world increasingly, unfortunately, have. And all the other experiences of being a woman, right? You didn't have any of this. You're not going to go through menopause one day unless yeah. you stop taking your hormones. You know what well, the reply to that is? Sorry, Sheikh. What, what they said was, is that the reason why it was more difficult for me is I was a woman the whole time yeah. and I had to fight it <laughs> oh, and put on a shell gosh. no that's one thing that is and yeah so my life is a lot harder coming out was a lot harder and becoming yeah. transgender was yeah. the other thing that is between the there's, there's a it's group actually of quite clever between quite clever response yeah yeah well it is, it they're is clever, clever for, for crazy people well, uh, <laughs> well <laughs> let me the homosexuals and transsexuals yeah. sorry yeah, yeah. there's even a rift between them because yeah, especially the lesbians yeah no but yeah even the guys they're like dude just because you're gay doesn't mean you have to become the other gender you, you're making this into as if we all want to be women. And then no, we don't want to be women. We just like the same sex. And know? then there's the other thing where these lesbians, because, you know, it's, it's something chaotic, like 90% yeah. of people who say they're transgender ha- don't have genital altering surgery. They don't. So 9 out of 10 guys who are going around looking like women, right, or claiming that they're women, they ha- still have penises. Yeah. So well, thank you. lesbians <laughs> are like, <laughs> we don't want to date you and it doesn't make us transphobic we just don't we like women with women parts yeah. and so we just don't want to date you that's, that's all there is to it right? here. yeah we need a gender, gender bell, bell here. we need to ring that for ring that bell, so we have <laughs> bell or here this is better what's the gender bell every time we talk about transgender issues the yeah. bell oh, gets wrong oh, wow so anyway long story short is <laughs> yeah there's a there's a big rift so among the so there's a big rift among the the, 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 the weirdos and the like totally insane yeah. And let me tell you something else that uh, I also read is that uh, gay, the biggest gay obstacle for gay marriage now, according to some of these senior members, is not necess- It's not a law, right? <laughs> it's not a law. It's not people because no one wants to touch the stuff. No one could say anything. So no one's saying anything. So guess what he said? It is. You won't believe this. I couldn't believe this when I read it, right? He said our own community. They lost interest in it. It's like, okay, we got it. But they would actually, when the, when push comes to shove, not rather not lock themselves in a monogamous relationship, right? Mm. So it's actually they're viewing it as something that they they got everyone to do. But the reality of the push behind it, right? And again, that's his perspective: is that uh, it was more that we didn't like that people disallowed it more so than we actually wanted to do it. That's correct. I mean, yeah, because, uh, <laughs> see, gay, gay people are very promiscuous. They they have a lot of sex outside marriage. So why why did they even want the institution of marriage? It was just a way to say... They wanted to win. A, yeah, yeah. I mean, a battle to win, a fight to win. See, the thing is, the homosexuality thing has been around for a while, right? Uh, yeah, it's more 
you know propagated now, but homosexuals have existed. Uh, the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ, this thing, there's this thing. There's P at the end, though. Yeah, the there's more, actually. What is it's P like for? It, it's linked to something that Animist had pedophilia. Something pedosexual? Yes, pedosexual. <laughs> pedosexual, which is a uh, love like, of children. Like so the, the transgender yeah, thing gender. is absolutely ridiculous, and we've, we've, like, destroyed this topic over and over and over and over again. But, like, the, it's really absurd to me that, you know, if, okay, if you're going to just be transgender and pick a gender or whatever and you just feel like, you know, a man or a woman, why limit it only to two genders? Why why not be anything then? Why not just say that you're a toaster or you're like a, you're like any, you're a car. I, you know, I'm attracted to horses now. So I'm like a, you know, I'm, I, I like horses or I like, there's, it just seems ridiculous no to me there's that no there is no, because this is why, and you define your whole identity. No, I saw a chick on YouTube. There's no bottom to the pit. Yeah, you, no, no ceiling. They're not going up. They're going down. I saw this chick on YouTube. No bottom right? to the she pit. She identifies as a cat. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, she got makeup. She wears the little bunnies, yeah. and she like spends her day like perched up on the window stool and purrs. So, and d- then d- when does she, she sees want dogs people, in public, does she want people to pet her? I don't. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, like yeah 17, she does. So she's a litter box. There's another one about dogs too. It's like two people. They, they, you know, the one guy just wants to be a dog, and he's in a homosexual relationship. So the one guy is actually a dog, and the other guy's his master. And they have like this homosexual. Oh, 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 sorry, bro. You just painted too much gruesomeness. Hamza's not very happy with this podcast. He's like, "What did I get?" No, so this is like faggotry to the next level. By the way, what was the topic for this session? Tasawuf and like. I was thinking I had like something ready I was talking about but it's going farther and farther I was like I ain't talking about the solo it's a nice round table though hey listen you know we tried to talk about the solo with the PPB when you guys just like hey listen we didn't touch the topic of LGBT and transgender for a while I think you just need to dust it off that's all every seven months every six months now maybe once a year just dust off the topic of Shiism and transgender well also you have new listeners listen Alex talked about Shiism right now and then we brought up the subject of transgender and LGBT again right? so so people because you have new listeners right and they gotta know and every, once a year look the Abbas al Khalifa once a year he would send an army off to the north the next spring he send the army down to the south just to have a skirmish to let the neighbors know we're here, right? So, so every once in a while, because we don't want to become too. Every once in a while, park in your neighbor's driveway. <laughs> let, <laughs> so let them know what's up. Let them know you're there. I don't. I don't mess around, man. <laughs> yeah. Why so you this is my driveway, man. Just to let you know I'm here. Yeah. Just to let you know what's up. This is not a topic we bring up all the time, but at, at this point, we're at the level of maintenance level. Maintenance. Once a year, you bring it up for ten minutes. Okay, ten minutes for any new listeners that didn't know our position. Right? Yeah, some people might have gotten confused because we got some recent guests that they said, "Oh, Mad Mom looks sold out and became liberals." Because no. <laughs> season two for us. Listen, season two for us. Didn't touch the subject pretty much all season, right? Every so just time, to, every time I try to bring it up, Moeen would be like, "Come on, man. yeah, enough." Of it. No, so I just want to make sure so people so people don't think that we backtrack to be politically correct for some reason or whatever. <laughs> we did. Yeah. It. You're helping the the lack of decentized 
desensitization of the Muslims exactly. to this whole issue. They should not be desensitized to the issue. We, you're, you, if you're a Muslim, you are against, you cannot support these types of things. Right? So just as a FYI, to dust off that verse of Quran that we could live by it, we're not saying go and beat them. We're not saying go and, no. and do all these, these bad things to them. We're saying leave them alone. Just right? don't be submissive to and them. do not be submit to this uh, liberal yeah. zeitgeist that wants you to accept and apologize yeah. for not following their thing. All right, so that's all it is. Yeah. And at the, we're on maintenance level, and we just dusted it off. Now we can move to the yeah. next subject. My, my only problem it. with it, to be honest, is I, I mean, people want to do, people do whatever they want, right? No, no, I'm moving on to the subject. As a general rule, as a general rule, whenever we have Muslims in the in the public who walk around and they, they and they're like completely like they're just compliant with whatever it is, right? I mean. Practically anything. It's gotten to the point where we have these MLI people who are walking around like a two-state solution. Where yeah. The Palestinian yeah. state barely exists. and yeah. Like, people are just anything to, to fit in. Yeah. Right? It's anything to That's fit in. They, they're not making sincere arguments that this is from the dean. Mm-hmm. Nobody's walking around like sincerely saying, oh, you know, whatever whatever yeah. kind of deviance it is du jour, right? CVE pays these people, right? I'm sh- a yeah, lot of these sure. people. I could say for for sure. In general, they yeah. do dish out money for so, this type of stuff. I, I I don't I'm I just want to I just like making it clear that yeah. the real position of the average Muslim, which is what I am, right? Yeah. And this is one of the things that I think is uh, one of the reasons, besides the fact that Dr. Shanghai, if he tells me to do something, I'll just do it. One of the other reasons that I think it's useful for people like me who aren't scholars or students or anything like that to be on is that the average Muslim can know his religion and, and yeah, and just know your religion. Uh, look, as long as you have contact with ulama, you have your you could be an average, regular, everyday Muslim yeah. who works and watches TV mm-hmm. and still care about your religion and, and be firm. On and he should know very well that this is the position. You know that you say it at home, right? You yeah. know that you say yeah. it at home. You know that you say it within yourself. Mm. And now you got seven guys in a table. Saying it in public so that you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be worried. And the liberals, they like us too because we are doing freedom of speech. <laughs> We're upholding their principle. Yeah. This is our freedom of speech, yeah. right? So, so, so they should welcome us too. And they should support us. Yeah. They should be supporting us yeah. because this is our freedom of speech. So we, accept suppo- we expect support from them. We expect them to support our position that ta'awun al-biri wa taqwa. Right, that we as Muslims only only can support something that Allah Taala and His Messenger have sponsored, and we cannot, or have have taught, have have gave us, and we cannot support the opposite of that. So we expect you, and we thank you in advance for supporting our right to do this. And, and rights are only preserved when exercised. Well, that's there's it. a there's a there's a Christ, there's a Christian uh, soccer player. She she played she's played on the national team before. She plays down in uh, North Carolina, I think, and uh, when. They, she got called up to play on an nas- international game for the national team, but they were going to. It was Pride Month, and they were going to have uh, rainbow jer- mm-hmm. uh, rainbow numbers on their jerseys. So she declined, mm-hmm. and she just she didn't make a big deal. She said, "What team? I, I really what, team what country? A U.S. U.S. team." Okay. So she declined. Cool. Now they're going uh, back to play another tournament this year. That was like a year ago, and they called her up again. Yeah. Oh so yeah. They didn't ban her. because Even, her quality. They're the, playing. And the coach, the coach of the team is les- open lesbian. Wow. Right, but they didn't. So and if you uh, exercise your rights, things will. They exer- will and not only that, right? and not only that, we expect your gratitude. We expect you to thank us and support us in not supporting you. Yes. <laughs> right. Does, does is this make logical sense? Does right. Because uh, this identity, it's it's a negative identity. It's something I can't do. Yeah. So you expect support for what you can do. We're telling you, you're also going to support us in a negative identity. Something I cannot do. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, this makes total sense to me. Yeah. I'm not bashing you people. Yeah. I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just not going to lend my support to certain things. I'm not lending my support to the state of Israel, for example. Okay? I'm not lending my support to Ecuador. I have nothing for them or against them. Right? I have the right to not lend support to whoever I don't want to lend support. So I expect that to be enshrined in your... Uh, identity thing. Yeah. Okay? I mean, this is and your thing of identity. This is something Amer- negative, you know, everybody negative in America should understand intuitively as well because, you know, freedom of association is also freedom from association. That's right? True. So I can choose to associate and support certain people. I can also choose not to associate and support certain yeah. people. And, and that's a fundamental right that we have yeah. here. So, yeah. And by the way, I actually think these things are going to die off by themselves. You don't even waste your breath on them. But uh, if the subject has to come up then again very simply this is my negative identity which i thank you in advance for recognizing right um so i think we should wrap up but we'll do one small little topic before we do wrap up since you know dr shelley wanted to touch on it as well which is the and it's a complete divergence from the last piece alhamdulillah so we can (laughs) wrap that up Let me ring this sucker one more time because uh, – <laughs> and then um, – so, yeah, we wanted to talk about – since it's marriage season, I know Dr. Shadi wanted to talk about the topic of marriage. Um, I think we strayed too far from Tassawaf, so I'm not going to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Listen, I mean, listen to the finale yeah. from season two podcast, which was the importance of Tassawaf with Muhtiniyaz and Yusuf um, yeah. that, that we covered. So we covered that in good detail there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the topic of marriage. A lot of people getting married these days, so it's sort of in the air. Everyone's talking about it, thinking about it, and how important it is. And uh, if you look at the MBA, they're always described with their wives. Like many times, they're, many times they're described with their wives. And 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 the first relationship that Adam salam, had was not the relationship with a mother or a father. Allah could have created him and then created a mother for him, right? Mm-hmm. If it's possible. Allah could do what He wants, but um, uh, or created for him a son. Or created something else, or a brother. Allah could have created from from his rib a brother to show the sibling. But no, the most important relationship is a person and their spouse, right? And to be honest, a person should not even should should know what upsets them. And in in uh, I know that in Madiki fiqh and in the Quran and general decency, the level is upsetting. Like you should not upset them. They should be happy, right? Allah Taala says uh, about marriages sakina, right? So if they're not in a state of sakina, right, and you should do everything within the bounds that is not forbidden, right, to make sure that they're living a happy life, right. As long as they're not in, uh, you know, making halal haram and haram halal, as the Prophet said, then we negotiate. So just a general piece of advice for that. And people, when they do get married, they have to learn how to share their emotions, share their wealth, share their food, share everything, right, and a lot of time and share their time. And if she likes something that you don't like, then you learn to like it, right? And she learns to like what you like, at least to tolerate it, so allow you to do your thing and, and he does her thing. And uh, it's really important for people to get along. Really important. I would say one of the proofs, one of the proofs of Islam, if if we do it right, that we should have considerably lower divorce rates. Right. And it's going to happen. It happened to the Sahaba. We're not saying that it's like you're committing some, but really considerably, it should be less. Yeah, well, here's the problem that 
and add to that abuse. I mean, the no, no, it's fifty percent. I think even I among my immediate family or friends circle, there's at least seven divorces that happened within the last year. So I mean, that is an incredibly high number that's happening, and at a very alarm. What's so scary? It's not just the divorce itself; it's the damage that happens to children during the divorce, especially if you have young ones who um, are seeing fights or, or you know, the, the, all the damage that comes as a result of the divorce. Um, you know, parents or fathers not being for their daughters or mothers not being there for their sons. Um, the, the time that's that's torn apart. All these different things that are coming to play. Um, and it's raising a whole generation of damaged children who can possibly, uh, you know, go go into the different uh, sections of society where you know you you've seen um, some of the studies that are related to uh, homosexuality that they say that you know because their parents didn't have a good healthy relationship they ended up choosing the the same gender as their sexuality um and these are some things that parents need to consider before they even decide on uh divorce i think divorce is being given a a much more um easier route than it should people are giving it a pass as if like it's something natural and it shouldn't be i think there's a lot of voices that are occurring in the media where where people are just saying oh you know it's a normal thing you know and making very making a very light thing that you know oh it happens to everyone when it's not, it's actually, just as Dr. Shadi said, this is the relationship that mankind started on, the man and the woman. And you need to do your damnedest to make sure that that works. And it, it has to be things that, I would, I would argue, if there's things that you are feeling um, very, uh, you should put down some of the, the wishes that you had just to keep the pres- uh, the preservation of the family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the the reason for the high divorce rates, I mean, I think there's you could probably have an entire like 6-hour like session on what what the reasons are, but I think there's a there's a tying link between a, a bunch of the topics that we talked to the talked about today, which is sort of this emergence of the individual versus the the group, right? Um and and in a, in a, on top of like the individual, right? It's the importance of like the person, I, my life, my things, my my stuff, right? It's all about me, this independence that I have, the self independence. And on top of this, the uh, the like pummeling of like sexuality and pornography, and you know the idea that like you know you don't need your nuclear family anymore, that you don't need. So it, yep, it's marriage not, is at an all time low now. Yeah, it's not yeah. just like I don't I don't actually place the blame on. Uh, Individuals, right, and and couples and marriages, right. It's the same thing as the masjid, right. It, the blame isn't the masjid. I would blame the environment and the things that are happening outside. So the question is, how do married couples shield themselves from the impact of this like onslaught that's coming both from like technology, society, people, the times, right. So it's it's tough. Like I think it's not just the answer isn't like oh you know just just be patient. Right, it, you, yeah, you can be patient. How are you can be patient when there's like, you know, uh, like an onslaught of things. Um, an example I brought up in the pa- in, in previous podcasts is like this onslaught of technology, right? Um, and and the same applies for marriage, right? That 
back in the day when uh, you know, like Graham Bell made the phone, right? And you had a phone in your house. You you could pick up the phone if you wanted to and call somebody. You could when you got a phone call, you could decide to pick it up if you wanted to. And if you didn't want to, you didn't have to. Now, when you're on your cell phone 24 hours of the day, 365 days a year, there are social scientists and UX designers and product designers and uh, psychologists and, and, and sociologists and anthropologists who are sitting there behind your screens knowing exactly what moves you're going to make, making sure that you pick up that phone. And in the same way, right, there's this onslaught on marriage, on family, on the individual, right, which is, you know, forcing these values of society on you, right? So that that's so I don't think it's just it's just, you know, people. So as far as like divorce sim like brought up the concept of the harming uh, damaging event, effects of divorce. I remember when uh, Sim and I came back in January and we were just talking to Dr. Shadi and I think you said something like really that profound was that like our parents were never selfish enough to even consider like the, the thought crossed in their mind of being like of getting divorced. But the thing is that I've met brothers now who are single and they're having issues. And I maybe I've been telling them, like, like you don't have kids yet. Okay. Like, you know, like, okay, do, do you guys remember the Daniel Hakikachu post from a couple of weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Which one? The, he was one? talking about the, uh, like, how the, uh, the brother was being belittled constantly. What? Why was that? He, by his wife. His, like, she, because he had lost oh, yeah, his yeah, job yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Some of the listeners didn't read it, so maybe, maybe you want to read or go to summary? Uh, yeah, I remember the summary. The summary is he was talking about somebody he knew who. Worked really hard, uh, married married a young woman who whose father did okay. So you know she claimed she was studying with Shuyuk, who were teaching her about how important it is to honor the Muslim woman and how women have rights and how they our rights have to be honored. And among those rights is that they have to be maintained and the status that they came from, yeah. and that it's the responsibility of the man, etc. And, and she have to I mean, the house and cook right, right, and she doesn't have to have responsibilities at home like cooking, cleaning, and all of that stuff. So it's it's kind of like pulling from all the different madahib whatever is most favorable to, to one party and, and whatever is less favorable to the male party, right? Uh, maybe on the, on the underst- uh, because they think that men have had too much of the opposite for too long and they've had this, you know, advantage or, you know, whatever it is. So uh, the long of the story is that the, this woman took advantage of that type of learning. She, was, she wasn't like somebody that didn't study. She actually studied all the time and went to halakas that the husband had, was obligated to pay for and travel and hotels and all that. And eventually, one day, he lost his job, and she came from money and had a high income anyway, right, that she never contributed to the home. So she was like, all right, well, I'll help out while you're trying to get another job where you can support us in the style that I think is obligatory. Um, But I'm going to just remind you every day that uh, you're not a real man because you're not doing this for me, and I'm I'm having to contribute. And, you know, just like belittling the guy, eventually got divorced. Um, the long and the short of it is, the, this is where is where is the love? This is right. <laughs> number one, so number one, both, both, don't claim both your ways. rights. Yeah. Number mm-hmm. one, don't claim your rights. Uh, rather, seek to fulfill the rights of the of your partner, and hope that Allah will bless you with someone who does the same to you. Number two, you you can't just read these things in the light most favorable to the party that you think has been oppressed over time. This is like, this is the whole concept of behind. Well, some people are underprivileged, and some people come in with privilege, and so we have to make the balance the other way, even if it means exaggerating certain positions, right? And the other thing is, for sure, there are uh, Islamic speakers that are appealing to women, and especially because of this, this is their job, this is what they're doing, this is their whole game, right? Their whole pitch is, I'm the I'm the feminist uh, imam, right? 
I look like a man and I have a beard and I studied Islam, which is so patriarchal, but I'm going to liberate you from the patriarchy mm-hmm. of this religion from within the religion. Feminist readings of Islam, right? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, there's no no love, no rahma either. Yeah, right? like, rahma. And it's, I mean, that's I've got to go both ways. And and yeah, the in the past, there the idea of just such a quick divorce, it didn't come on people's mind for another reason, which is basically you couldn't, like economically, it was impossible. Well, right? just to finish this off, Sheikh, and I don't know if Daniel touched on it, but the one thing that uh, that brother should have done. It's been like, I can't afford to support you the way that you think is necessary. So, alhamdulillah, yeah, you can make a choice. Yeah. You can either shut up about it or you can go back to your father who can support yes. you in that, in that yeah. way. I hate to lose you, but... And this is not a divorce that, oh, you're not thinking about it and you're not... This is a situation in which you go, look, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Either you can accept what I'm offering... Even if you have a right, you have a right. Go Move fulfill it somewhere else. Move into an apartment. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't fulfill your rights the way you think. So you could divorce me, and I won't ask you for 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 the mahr back. Mm-hmm. Go. There's there's a brother who like approached me. He's like kind of. He's like I'm kind of dealing with the same situation, but no kids. And I didn't tell him. I just kind of listened to him, and then I was like, you know, and I was thinking like, should I tell? Because I was like, in my mind though, as I was driving away, I was like, I should just tell him to cut his losses. Like he's got no kids. It might be time to make the break. I don't know. Like sometimes when you get into the kid situation you have situations where then you're you're on yeah you really don't want then that. you're cuffed i know a per, i know a person um who i think they had like three or four kids and on the flip side they get divorced for the dumbest re- there's like no infidelity there's no like beating going on but it's like oh well you find out oh well they were disrespectful to my parents i'm like well that's all subjective like how you how my spouse treats my parents is you're gonna you're gonna be biased towards that right so it's like, but at the same time, you left like fifteen. You got a fifteen-year-old son, and your youngest is like three. Yeah, that's the. I and then you got a train wreck. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how many sisters you're advising in this regard, but for, if you're advising brothers, one thing before moving to the divorce, before going, that's it, I'm out. Is try something that I'm sure a lot of Muslim men or any men in the West, but Muslim men I know, um, aren't trying, which is be a man, right? Like come home and be like, look, this is I'm 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 Rabul Bait. This is my house. Um, we're going to just do things according to, to I'm the emir and we're just going to have one decision maker here uh, well, I'll pray istikhara on anything that, that comes up and we'll see how it works and that might solve all the problems including whatever allegedly she's complaining about she might just be complaining that she's not married to a man oh you're saying that's that's then that's actually I, I've, because, I've actually seen someone yeah, society, told me society teaches women no you have to be equal and blah and it's not the it's not the fitra. So uh, she's going to be dissatisfied and not even know why. I actually had a brother tell me that the reason that uh, his wife divorced him was that the lack of initiative. He uh-huh. didn't. He never took yeah. initiative. Uh-huh. He ne- and she would tell him, "Control the situation." Yeah, right? and, and he can't like, control the situation. Uh, he, as he was saying, yeah. Daniel's uh, post as he we were narrating it, I was like getting mad at the guy, not yeah. at the girl. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to smack him. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's wrong? Exactly. With you? How did you allow things to escalate? To the point that it did, where your wife is just insulting you openly mm-hmm. like that. Exactly. How dare you? Like, like you don't, as a man, you don't insult your wife like that or daily. Right. You don't rub some misery that he's or she's experiencing on a daily basis in front of your face. Where, where's your yeah. Um, yeah. grapefruit? Size, you know, when they're nowhere, it's been you've been castrated, you know. <laughs> now, I mean, and, it's and this true, isn't right? even to say that in the past, uh, women were stuck in horrible marriages. I've seen it myself, yeah. some relatives that we had. Oh, it was like hellfire, and they're just keeping it going. 
because they have no choice financially. Yeah. She can't. Yeah. So and yeah, we're, like, we don't sympathize. With, of course, we sympathize with that. You, we have aunts I have like that. You have yeah. my, your mom could have been like. That. I mean, we're not Catholic. We don't have that. this rule where you can't get divorced or you're yeah. you know, excommunicated. So it really just go. It, the rahma has to go both ways. And right? people have to try everything, including like being normal. And not yeah. only trying everything. Sorry, just if I can just add on to this, is that um, one thing that we undermine, and I know it's probably a broken record, is. I believe everyone should get premarital counseling before they get married. Mm. Not only premarital counseling, just get counseling after you're married too. It keeps everything a lot easier. And the wisdom behind that is you think you know your partner or women, but it's not the same after you're married. It's a completely different. You are going to know your wife better than anybody in the world. Your wife's going to know you better than anybody in the world. You're going to know her better than her parents, and she's going to know you better than your parents. Yeah. And you have to know how different of a species we actually are, a male and a female. We're very different. We have to understand each other. And if a man turns away when he's arguing with his wife and goes, I don't want to take this anymore, it's not like he's actually belittling his wife. He doesn't want to escalate to something else, so he needs some cave time. So he, he doesn't make a mistake. Away. Yeah. He yeah. needs to get he away. He's doing it because he loves her. Because normally right? people who talk to me like that, yeah, it's exactly. Es- when right? it escalates on the man's side, it, it's ugly. It, it, so he's we don't better want off to go there. By the way, we have the Sah- talks about that, The Sahaba yeah. said that. The Sah- uh, I mean, the Tabain and the Imams, Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal uh, mentioned about if one of them gets angry, the other stays silent. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's how it's supposed to be. Sayyidina Omar ibn Khattab as well. When his wife got angry, he remained silent. You're right. So why? Because if it escalates from the man. It could scar someone for a long. It could scar her for a long time, but if it escalates from the woman's side, the the man is expected to expected to have sabr. I said, no, Omar taught us. Yeah, she was yelling at him for the top of her lungs. Yeah, and he says, I should have sabr. Right? She has right. a lot of sabr in what she does for me. I'm having sabr now she when she's my releasing. Clothes, she, she takes yeah. care of my house. Why wouldn't I? Right. Yeah. Let her talk a little bit. That's what yeah. he said, right? Yeah, because yeah, if it escalates yeah. from him, it's not a fair battle. Yeah. But the psychologists right? talk about this also. Right, is that women vent by talking mm. by right. nature? It doesn't yeah. mean they actually are disrespecting your authority, right? Yeah. But men don't understand how dare you talk to me. No, actually, you're still a man if your wife can talk to you like that. But when it comes to halal and haram and that insulting on a regular, yeah. that's different. But when a woman is actually venting, it doesn't actually mean she permanently dislikes you, yeah. it's different, you know. And when a man is actually, you know, his attention span. I mean, we're just so different from each other. Yeah. And the next thing is, I mean, especially, you know, uh, uh, this wor- this is for women and for daughters also, something very, very important. Um, Rasulullah the way he treated Fatima radiallahu anha is a model of, there's three, three A's that psychologists refer to as far as relationship, which is attention, uh, appreciation, and affection, right? And Muhammad showed the best model of that. The Prophet of Allah, sallallahu alaihi the final messenger, the, the 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 Prophet who we don't even equate the dust on his shoes, sallallahu alaihi So much honor from Allah subhanahu wa taala. When his daughter walks inside of the room, he stands up to her. Subhanallah. Stands up for his daughter. This is sallallahu alaihi wasallam we're talking about. The angels have stood up for Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right? Muhammad stands up for his daughter. Right? He kisses her on her forehead, affection, and tells her. Come sit next to me. Appreciation. All through these. Muslim's life, right? Mm. And this is the same thing. It has to be coupled, yes, with some type of uh, of understanding of halal and haram, but especially for our daughters. Yeah. And I'll tell you all uh, I'm talking about daughters. is, But if our daughters don't find love and affection through their fathers, especially, yeah. and their mothers, 
they will fall in love with somebody else that gives them that love because their emotional starvation that they may be going through. Right? That's what Imam uh, from Allentown, um, Sheikh Mohammed Dishinawi, he wrote about that for Missile Matters. SubhanAllah. A very important thing on fatherhood. I didn't finish reading the whole thing, but I'm sure that he got to that point. If of she goes, the first guy that says, I love you or shows affection, even if she knows it's haram, she'll fall for him. She that, didn't get that attention, appreciation, and affection. It's just so. So I, I, I don't want to. Exactly. That. That's true. So I know, that's what comes back I know to we're having a good discussion like a here, man. but Moin really has to run, and we got to wrap this up. So um, just quickly on the topic of marriage, uh, because we, were, we ended with this, uh, I want to give a shout-out to my boy Evan Huff, who's a huge fan of this podcast and huge listener. He got yeah. nikahed up today. I, I told him I, I couldn't make it because – I had obligations to record this podcast, so you know, alhamdulillah, let's make dua for him and, him and in his marriage and, and him. pleasing in the eyes of Allah. So, uh, Evan, we love you. So, I mean, I don't know you either, brother, but I love you. Congratulations, um, and inshallah, we'll wrap up with that. I think it's been a good five hours of of, of rec- recording time. Oh, so good. I think, yeah, we'll final words. The, yeah, let's, know, take a, let's take a quick, quick go around. Uh, you know. Mad Mamluk's last word, and I'm not ready to quit. I just had a nap, and I'm ready to go for another <laughs> few hours. <laughs> so you guys can do that well, that, that episode with Doctor Shadow. Yeah, all right. <laughs> just, just call us in. We'll dial in. I'm beat. No, you guys, mashallah. Uh, I learned honestly. I learned a lot from you guys. Uh, I'm not just saying that. This is an awesome experience. This is a very very fun podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're just just recordings. And chilling. You guys are uh, a nice breath of fresh air, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I like the way that you just don't care about what people think. <laughs> no, honestly, I love it, dude. I love it. I need more of that. I read a book uh, on the cover that's a little more vulgar than that, but um, yeah. It's the art of not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys have embodied it, mashallah. But may Allah bless you and make everything yeah. easier for you guys, man. Yeah, first and foremost, to all of you for being such wonderful hosts. Uh, special thanks to Dr. Shadi for inviting us and um, Elias uh, picking us up. Uh, everyone um, just making us feel so welcome here in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I hope that uh, this is just the first of many amazing things that can come um, just with us collaborating together and just sharing resources, whatever you guys need. I mean, we're going to be here for you, and we'll give you that commitment, and hopefully, inshallah, you guys can provide us any type of things that we may need. And just every one of you guys, all four of you guys that are sitting in front of me right now, so talented and so well-spoken and everything. Um, Just so impressed with all you guys. So thank you so much for having us. Alhamdulillah, you guys have been, uh, mashallah, uh, really easy going, uh, great to work with. Um, glad to see, uh, you know, smart people who, who figured something, a way out, to, a way to uh, contribute, and you guys have contributed really well. May Allah Ta'ala c- uh, continue to increase your work and uh, continue giving us the honor to be of any service of deen in any way, shape, and form. And uh, the way forward for us, I think, is uh, we need to save our own souls from uh, the pitfalls of, of the tests of this life, and the best way to do it is tazawur which is constant visitation. So we shouldn't see that there's some end goal in sight. The visitation itself is the end goal, and hopefully uh, we owe you the next visit, Bidnillah. And for all the audience out there and the listeners and, and maybe some new listeners that <clears throat> you just maybe got surprised that we actually brought up some subjects, all they have to know is we're not out to get anyone except we don't want anyone to force our hand. 
or force our tongue to have to say something that we don't believe in. Uh, that's all it is, and we should. We don't like. I don't like to have elephants in the room that you can never talk about, right? So uh, if it, if it came off as that, then you should just un- understand uh, the basic purpose behind that is to. Uh, uh, no one likes to be forced, and we don't like to be forced. And we know that the you know liberal zeitgeist out there is forcing people's hands. No doubt, no question. Every other day, someone's apologizing for something, and um, I don't, no one has to tolerate that. So we're not out against to get anyone. We're not trying to attack anyone, uh, but we don't want to be forced, and we should be left alone. And actually, we should be honored and respected, right, uh, for for having that negative identity, that identity of not. Uh, support in certain things we should we expect to be uh, for room to be made for that right if, if if it's truly a level playing field for everyone and the other thing is for the muslims you know anyone that we disagree with if they fall under the banner of la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah then they're our brothers our sisters our allies if they have a perspective that they think uh maybe we misunderstood something allahu akbar just let us know you don't need to be upset right you should just come on uh, you know send us messages Look, we're we're learning. We make mistakes. Uh, we have to be humble about these things. And someone who shares the banner of Tawheed, uh, they're you know more than welcome to constantly to, to help us understand our own mistakes. If we misunderstood something, uh, misspoke about something, you know, we ask you to have husnudan. Uh, so all that is for the unity of the ummah and to uh, to unify on something that uh, is objectively clear that has evidence, right? So with that. You know, those are my closing remarks. And again, thank you for uh, Saad and Moeen uh, and Elias taking their time out, uh, being really supportive of um, this whole collaboration and, and making it happen. So, Jazakumullah khairan. May Allah ta'ala all bless all the rest of your weekends. Right, and hope to do this again. Bismillah. Closing statement from you, too. <laughs> yeah, we'll so, uh, to... Uh, as as Dr. Shadi said, you know, I think this was a wonderful experience. I think uh, I learned a lot from you guys as well, alhamdulillah. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to you know you know future collaborations. Inshallah, we'll make a trip out to to Chicago, Sharif, one of these days. Um, so thank you, brothers, for joining us and making this a wonderful experience. You know, please keep us in your dua, and um, yeah, definitely keep in touch. Just want to thank you, brothers, for coming out. Um, and Panera for giving us a free cookie this morning <laughs> and uh, may Allah reward us and uh, Bismillah yeah again just want to echo uh, Alhamdulillah it was a great experience you guys uh, definitely bring a very much needed perspective uh, to the discussion and I think uh, everyone inshallah has benefited from that and may Allah increase you guys in your efforts and um, you know m- once we get out there maybe we can we can do this again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Rabbana <laughs> 
وحب كل عمل يقربنا إلى حبك صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله Thank <music> you.